Hey everybody, welcome back to The Producers. Glad to have you with us on episode 11. This is a good one. This is Mary Jane, a local comedian. I don't know if local is the right word. She's bigger than that. Uh, super funny. Really just a good episode. Just the the prime example of what I want to do with this podcast. Bring someone in, have a great conversation. The less I wear the host hat, the better. Um... But yeah, the plugs, uh, rvacomedy.com. Sign up for classes. They are open now. Uh, sign up for 201. Let's go. Very excited about that. Um, the plug for our guest, maryjanefrench.com. Um, check, check her out. She's got a podcast. She's got uh, social media. Uh, you can find it. Everything you need on that website. It's in the description. Um... That's pretty much it. Follow us, email us, check out our website, producerscast.com, producerscast at gmail.com, at producerscast, Instagram, Twitter, however you like to get your information on my show. That's how you do it. Oh, oh, also, oh man, I almost forgot. Uh, Tom, my best friend Tom, at Skinoy1217, released a preview of his summer mix. Uh, check it out. On his uh, his Twitter, his YouTube, uh, check it out. His summer mix is coming out very soon. Um, I love his summer mixes. The last year was dope. The preview for this year is awesome. Um, so hopefully Tom will be so generous and grateful or whatever to give us some of his summer mix for the intro to this show. Tom, play it. It's awesome. Go check it out. Uh, that will be in the description as well. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Mary Jane. like a good backlog of anything because mm-hmm. I don't like to get too far ahead of myself but mm-hmm. and I had a friend who agreed to do it on Saturday but then he changed his mind because he didn't yeah. get on the record and it was, I went to the show that night like I need to find somebody who wants to do the show gotcha gotcha and it's been it's been interesting because um, I think every person I've had on the show has either been part of my 101 class okay or just somebody, a performer at the theater who I asked, and mm. they were very gracious to do it. Mm. So that was um, that was interesting. And I think you're kind of, well, it was so funny because I saw you that morning, mm-hmm. and then I saw you that evening, and I was like, okay, this is the person I have to ask <laughs> for sure. Because yeah. I saw your set. Mm. Um, I forget what the show was. 
Was it Hearst Girls? Yeah, if, if, if it was at the theater, it was Hearst Girls. Yeah, and you were the third comedian. It was just, like I said, mind-blowingly funny. Because oh, the, the, the whole, it was just, it was a complete set. Like, there was mm. purpose, and there was, like, a full storyline, and you're... <laughs> Your dialogue. So you're a comedian. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what you would define yourself as? Um, depending on my mood that day. I mean, I, I, I would either say I am a comic or I am an aspiring comic. Oh, interesting. <laughs> depending, depending on how, how, how I'm feeling. That's, um, yeah, I usually... Philosophically. Sure. Would you consider yourself an artist or a comedian between the two? Um, I would probably say comedian just because I... Practice medium? No, I mean, there's that, but also um, I'm usually hesitant to um, make any claims that set off my pretension alarm. <laughs> um, I, 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 I don't love, like, obviously I care about people, like, respecting themselves, but I don't love whenever I encounter people who I feel like take themselves Mm-hmm. entirely too seriously and I personally don't like being that way yeah, so yeah. I you know like obviously I, I take myself you know I, I respect myself but I don't uh, I try not to take myself all too like seriously seriously there's a quote I like to always default to where it's don't take yourself too seriously but take what you do very seriously yeah absolutely yeah because like you you respect the people who are enjoying what you do mm-hmm. but you're not like like you said yeah exactly like I you know I never want to get to that point of like don't you know who I am yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. or, or whatever like that's more of a fame thing I guess but I but you know what I mean just like the like yeah. I, I always feel very pretentious saying I have a podcast. Yeah, no. When I started doing uh, my podcast, it was something where I, I I hate bringing it up to people because yeah, yeah. as an intro, you have to say you want to be on my podcast. But anytime someone knows, I always say my show because yeah. it just sounds a little drawn back, like my podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I have mixed feelings about that because like sometimes I'll be like. My podcast because it because it, it's a way that I can kind of be like don't worry it's just a podcast I yeah. literally I like like you've got like a fancy setup here I I literally have a Tascam DR40 that I just put between the two of me and whoever I'm talking to. I originally the first time I did it I had my friend bring his mic and I just had one mic and then it was just I don't know I think I think well for just to kind of give you some background like mm-hmm. I went through a big breakup and I had like realized I lost myself in the relationship mm-hmm. so I was like I need to do what I want to do and this was one of them so I figure if I invest you know, a little bit into the arms and the second mic. Like, mm-hmm. I'll take it more seriously and it will be something that, you know. Yeah. Like, all I had to do was move, because that table normally goes right there. Yeah. So I move the table over the chair a little bit and then boom, I'm ready to go. There so, you go. Kind of purposeful. So you have a podcast. I, I do. I've been slacking on it in recent, in the last, like, month or so. Because um, when I first set out to do it, I was like, I'm going to do this every week for a full year. I'm going to record eight episodes before I even release <laughs> any of them. And that way I'll have a backlog. Yeah. And then, like, I'll just record like four or five one week and then go like four or five weeks without doing anything and then I ran through my backlog and then I had a depressive spell and but 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 also I'm still doing it it's just now more of a like this is a passion project Mm -hmm. it's something that I take the pressure that only I do like Mm -hmm. I don't I don't have I'm not making any money off of it Mm -hmm. I don't have anyone making me do it I'm doing it entirely because I like the concept of it and 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 so I don't um like, like, basically, just, like, you know, if, if it ever comes out and anyone listens to it, that's great. And, like, the practice of doing it in and of itself is rewarding to me. So I'm trying to, 
you know that feeling where you get really in your head about expectations of how things should be, and if you can't, uh, uh, if you can't rise to those expectations, sometimes you just don't do it at all. The uh, expectation of success and the fear of failure. Yes, and I'm, so I'm trying really hard not to give in to that. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that it's been like a week, a month, and a half maybe since I put an episode out, I'm trying not to stop me from putting out future episodes, yeah. and and trying to not let it stop me from asking other people if I can talk to them and stuff like that. That was one of the things that I set out to do. I'm going to do my show. I don't care. It's a, people. The fun thing people tell me who do listen to it is it's mm-hmm. very long, and I'm like. That's because that's what I want it to be. Yeah. I want it to be long. I don't want, I don't, like doing, trying to find something to do it before tomorrow so I can release it tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pushing a little bit, but it's like, it's just because I want, I want that consistency for myself. No yeah, one, absolutely. No pressure to do this. You're, you're doing it, I mean, yeah, and no one, I'm assuming no one's paying you to do this. You're doing it because it's what you want it to be. Yeah. Then make it exactly what you want it to be. Exactly. My show's the opposite. I, I try to, I recently broke this rule, but I told myself that my show would never have a timestamp that starts with the number four. It would always be like, Less than forty minutes. Yeah. Um, and I recently broke that because it, you know, something I, I didn't want to cut something down. Yeah. But um, but for the most part, I I'm like, yeah, I want this to be short. Like, um, but that's what I want my thing to be. You mm-hmm. want your thing to be your thing, and you I should just, you should make it that thing. I think I just value having yeah, have value. I value, I value this the conversation. But yeah, like that was that was a big thing. Just taking the pressure off of myself to yeah be successful and just kind of. Do it for fun. Honestly, doing something for the sake of doing it is my favorite concept. Like it, like it's one of those things where it's what I very strongly believe, and I have to constantly remind myself that that's what I believe because there's so much pressure from everywhere else in the world. Like there's this big like push, I think, in our. I'm trying to avoid saying the word society because no, I feel like it, it's it, pretentious. No, no, no. In our society, it, it, that, that's what it is. There's this huge pressure that if you're going to do any sort of art or craft or you know any sort of thing that's not automatically lucrative, you it's only worth doing if you're good enough at it to make it lucrative and to make a living off mm-hmm. of it. And I think that's such fucking bullshit. And yeah. in fact, I think that. Um, I think that that's how we get like shitty celebrity culture and sh- like at, like like I feel like if if all artists also had day jobs, art would be a lot better. You think so? <laughs> or like craft would be a lot better. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, speaking specifically in the area of comedy, which I feel like I have more to say about than other areas. Um, yeah. I mean, whenever like a comic gets super huge and, oh, yeah. and is all is only just selling out theaters and they no longer live like a normal life they they're <coughs> uh, good. unless they're unless they're like a total absurdist or a total like political comic or whatever i mean if they're a political comic then they probably don't get as good because they're super <laughs> fucking rich but um but either way like they like i remember like that was the issue like that was the issue with Jay Leno for like the whole time he was on the tonight show <laughs> is that like you know he he got that gig because he was like a really good stand-up, mm-hmm. um, and people were really fucking into him. But then he was trying to be relatable when he has a car collection. <laughs> like it's not relatable, yeah, yeah. And, and like, but still tried to play it off. Like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a relatable guy. I can't do a Leno impression. <laughs> that, that was good. Just green light that forever. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the thing with like. I feel like my Leno impression, my Brando impression, are too similar. <laughs> Yeah, my Seinfeld just sounds bad. That's, I, that's I, the only impression I allow myself doing. I think my Leno is just a whinier Brando. <laughs> <laughs> like a higher pitch Brando. I liked it. I recognized it. It was thank, good. It was the best Leno on the show, for sure. T- to be fair, though, you can see my jaw jutting out when yeah, I do it. Yeah, yeah, I can. <laughs> I think that's the same kind of thing, idea with, mm-hmm. like, people who like bands. Like, you're not the same as you were because, like, 
when they first like my favorite one of my favorite bands is Fall Out Boy. Mm. Like their first album, everyone loved, and then the next album, everyone hated because it wasn't. But you're not that same person. You, you're yeah. not coming up as a band. You've had success, and then you write another album. Yeah, and exactly. It's like, how do you? Know? Well, and it's also sort of thing. Like I'm not saying like everyone should have to have like a shitty day job. No, yeah. I'm just thinking like like in my own little fantasies. <coughs> like I I um I currently vol like every. Once a week, I volunteer with a nonprofit where I'm like an adult in a room full of. I'm one of the adults in a room in for a support group for like queer middle school youth, and um, it's really awesome. it's really fucking great. And I, I love those kids so much. And um, it's and it's something I've been thinking about. Where, where it's like, if I could ever manage to make a living off of stand up, I would like to like be able to pay my bills with stand up or something like that. If I could ever manage that, I definitely would be spending you know, whatever free time I have doing that because that's something that I care about and would be fulfilling. And if I don't need the money, then I can volunteer my time, time for yeah. it. And it would be something that would keep me on, like, a somewhat grounded area as that's opposed to just, like... Like, if a comic had to still do the same job but still got better, writing and telling jokes. Like, yeah, exactly. And, okay. like... Yeah, that makes, that makes perfect sense when you, when you explain it like that. I just feel like it's important to... I feel like any sort of like artistic pursuit if you manage to make a living at it you i feel like a lot of time you end up in the bubble of it which is that you don't interact with anyone else and also there's kind of the idea of like you're putting out a, a special because you need to put out a special you're not yeah. putting out a special because like i have oh. all this good material or i have stories to tell but it's like i just uh, had i need to i need to make money i've been rambling about that so fucking much lately because <laughs> i cuz this year netflix has put out a new special every week really and um, yeah every, uh, at, at the end of 2016 they will have put out a new hour stand up special every fucking week and some of them are people getting the first specials and that's fucking great yeah. um, because a that's lot of people getting the first specials like cool like like they, they've been working on that for fucking years like and and a lot of them are really awesome sometimes you'll see specials that seem premature but other times but it's normally with the huge comics that they that they get to make specials where it's like i feel like they just approached this person and said we want to make a special and then that person started writing material yeah. and like and that's not how i think you make a good special mm -hmm. i think i think a good album a good special or a good album comes from you having the material going okay this is ready to be released and mm -hmm. then and then you do like like i think the reasons yeah the reasons to release to record something and release it are to like um like the reasons to record something for release are to like you know you've been doing the hour like it's been your hour for a while and then you're like okay cool i'm i feel like i'm done telling these jokes but i don't want them to stop existing so i'm going to record them like, I feel like that should be, like, the main reason. That's interesting. I, I listen to a lot of uh, the Pete Holmes podcast. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I used to listen to that a lot. Um, I like what he had to say about... Because I feel like he has, he's a very pure comedian. <laughs> pure is the right word. Pure, yeah, so, like, he really appreciates the art. And so I take I take what he says, and for the most part, I, I don't want to say I just adopt it, but, like, mm. I think about it and I say, that's how I feel, too. Like, having mm. thought about it here and yeah. explained it. And I feel like he... He articulates stuff about comedy very well. Yeah, he's, he's the main reason why I do my show. And yeah. I basically 
kind of format it like him, but and he formatted it like Mark Maron, exactly. <laughs> Which is why I was like, you know what, I can do that too. Who cares? Because he did it too. It's just like, well, it's funny because the way I started it was because of him, and I feel like it has kind of evolved into a thing that's my own. So yeah, like that is what he preaches. Like mm-hmm. you're, he's Brian Regan when he first starts comedy, and then eventually he comes into his own. So yeah. like. That was my goal. And everyone, like, everyone, when they first start, it just is whoever they're idolizing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So mine is IMP Holmes. There you go. But so, um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like the way he talks about comedy is really, really good. And also, I don't know, it's just my whole life, anytime I see somebody who is in an art or mm-hmm. something like that, and, like, they take it very seriously, it makes me appreciate that medium so much more. Yeah, yeah, I definitely I definitely don't think that people should be walking around and being like, meh, it's whatever, it's a thing I do. Um, I think it's more just some, like, waspy, <coughs> some waspy forced modesty that I've absorbed somewhere along my upbringing. Well, that's not, that's, that, I feel like that's a good thing. I feel like, because, like, having, if I had talked to you before, I, I would never would have guessed what, 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 mm. what, your, what your show would have been. Mm. But, like... You let the material speak for itself. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, which which I think is the way, kind of the way to do it, but also like, I don't know, in the world of like plugging and promoting and etc. Like, mm. I don't know. It's really it's really difficult because like that's how yeah that's how you're gonna grow your craft is you have to mm-hmm. do the plugs and all that stuff and so like. So far, I've been lucky enough to get pretty much like I mean not that I have like this huge thing, but like. Um, I've been doing stand-up for five years, and I've been lucky enough that I haven't really... I'm really bad at networking, but I've been lucky enough that just sort of doing my own thing and, like, putting my own shows together and doing that stuff has resulted in a fair amount of people, like, tapping me on the shoulder and being like, hey, do you want to do that? I mean, I mean, you asked me to do this, mm-hmm. um, and I've been lucky enough to have that come from that mostly. Why don't you tell me a little about how you started doing comedy? Um, yeah, so I've been doing comedy for five years. Um, I started... In July of 2012, and that was... Well, technically, the very first time I did it was July 2011, but then I waited another year before I went on and did it regularly. Um, July 2012 was the summer right before my senior year of high school. Um, and my after my sophomore year of high school... Well, so I, I had just always been, like, kind of a comedy... Like, a stand-up junkie, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, Who was your first, like, major album? Um, who, uh, I don't know. I know that I, part of me is ashamed to say that. I mean, no, I'm not actually ashamed to say this, but I will say that what I'm about to say is not representative of my current taste. Um, but the first, um, I didn't listen to this album in its entirety. I just remember being in like sixth grade and it was like the first comic that I was aware. Like my parents didn't introduce me to stand up in any way. Like my friends were pulling up fucking Dane Cook clips. (laughs) I was like, like, who the fuck? Is it going to be? I was like, um, ragging my brain. And it was mostly mostly shit. I think I forget the name of it. I think it was um uh, it was Iceland either incident. It was whichever one is him. Madison Square Garden. It might be Madison Square on Garden. The um, yeah, the, the in the round in the arena. That so was, I think I think it was Madison Square was Garden. Madison Square. Which was a great um, that was a great set. Yes. I mean, well, and also, like, I, I, I can't, yeah, I, I, you know, as I've grown as a human, not necessarily, not as a comic, just as a human, I'm not as in, like, I really liked those jokes in sixth grade, but mm-hmm. the, but I think the thing that anyone in the world could commend that set for is just, it's, fuck, he knows how to, he filled Madison Square Garden, and I don't mean, like, sold tickets, I mean, yeah. like, he's, 
huge. Yeah. He has such fucking huge and, energy. And like, um, and I, yeah. and no one can take that from him. <laughs> um, and I'm not gonna start shit talking. <laughs> I will also say, look, there's a lot to be said about Dane Cook, but like. When you look at what he did before, because I mean, you get that big. Like I don't, I don't mm. really, I can't speak to that. But just like he, that, that set was not only just energy, but like he had a good set. Like he organized it well, and it was yeah, like, it, was, it was it was structured, and he and before he, that, yeah. his, he had all of his material like down fucking pat. He could somehow read a room that was surrounding him. <laughs> um, like there is a lot to that, and that was like the first stuff that I was like exposed to. I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it wasn't even. The, the video clips from the special, a lot of it was that I was watching with my friends was um, audio from the album with like oh, like flash yeah, player yeah, animation, yeah, like flash yeah. animation, like stick, stick figure animation. <laughs> um, I remember those a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that that's like the, the, my first introduction to it. And then and then I was like aware of stand up as a thing. And then I. Um, in middle school, I was more into, like, SNL. Mm-hmm. Um, and then John Oliver's New York stand-up show. Oh, well, well so I started, well, in, in middle school and early high school, I was really into, like, Comedy Central Presents. Mm-hmm. I watched every single one of them one summer. Same. Um, and I was really into Comedy Central Presents. And then John Oliver's New York stand-up show premiered my freshman year of high school. And that is probably where I got the first batch of, like, these are the comics I'm obsessed with. Which were... Um, Oof, uh, Kyle Kinane, Hannibal Burris, Pete Holmes, Matt Bronger. Um, I didn't get TJ Miller from John Oliver, but, 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 but he was part of that. Um, Anthony Jeselnik, I did not get from there. Well, actually, I remember there, I think it was like the 2009, like, comics to watch list. And Anthony Jeselnik was on that, (laughs) and Donald Glover was on that. Mm -hmm. Um... And like that's when I was just like a little like stand up sponge, just like yeah. I was I was researching everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got really into John Mulaney after his Comedy Central Presents came out, and then I got really into his album. And I, I even remember um, there was a point where I was working with um, so like three or four years after New in Town came out, John Mulaney's first special second album. Um, it was on Netflix, and then that's when it got huge. Mm-hmm. When people got real, like, like it, like it came out on Comedy Central, and it was, it was, it's a fucking great album. It's fantastic, but it it became super popular, like a handful of years later when it was on Netflix, mm-hmm. and um, when I noticed a bunch of like the, I was I was working with. Um, these like queer high school theater kids at the time and I noticed them quoting it and I became this like weird hipster grandma about it where I was like I set my DVR for that special to come out I was keeping track of when that was going to air on Twitter because I loved the top part yeah his first album and I just became yeah just hipster grandma like that's what we had to be though yeah, yeah. and um I mean New in Town's a great album um it's, it's so well structured um and, uh, the, uh, yeah, and so, it was, a bun- and then, I mean, Maria Bamford was also, was someone that I got from John Oliver's New York stand-up show, um, Hari Kondabolu is someone that I picked up from there, um, and then from there, it just sort of became, like, a, like, not immediately, but it just sort of became like a Spotify suggestion type deal. Like you just get obsessed with the thing, mm-hmm. and then you just find out about more comics. And oh, this person toured with this person, or or or, or whatever. Like um, mine was Pandora, and I would add every comic I liked to a channel, and it would eventually like reach up and get a new one. Yeah, absolutely. And um, 
That's how I like. I, I didn't start using Spotify to find comics until mm-hmm. like college, I think. But um, the um, and now probably the way that I find new. Com- I mean, I, I feel I already feel like I mean I'm. I'm I'm still like 23, and I feel like an old person, and being like set in my like these are the comics I like, but that, that, that's not true. I, I I find new people all the fucking time. Um, I'm just not as good about seeking out albums anymore. But I love albums. I actually prefer albums to specials. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, there's some people that you should never listen to an album and always watch a special. Like, like it's a good. Like I don't think Eddie Izzard even put out a, an album. I think he only has specials. I think so. Um, and that's because so much of his act is. Is is is, is, that, is body language? I always liked. Um, Pop Pete always mentioned that Steve Martin occasionally would throw something into his albums that was only for if you could see it. Yeah, it's like the people on the uh, listening are gonna be so confused. Yeah, and I was yeah. just like, I, I love doing that, and also like because I listened to Pandora, I would like try mm-hmm. to like, what are they doing? I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't start listening to Steve Martin until college, um, and I now have all four of Steve Martin's stand-up albums on vinyl. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, There's a tweet somewhere that viewers that has not <laughs> written exactly like what it is. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, like, yeah, so I, I was always, like, a, a stand-up junkie, um, and I started... Well, so the thing that actually pushed me to do it... Um, or, wait, actually, sorry, actually, backpedaling back to the, just becoming a stand-up junkie and being obsessed with comics, I, I, I was that kid that could fucking recite my favorite albums. Um, I still think my favorite album of all time is Death of the Party, um, Kyle Kinane's first album. Um, Kyle Kinane is just so good. He's so fucking good. So good. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that, that album, I think. Well, also, what's funny is that, like, I, I've been into that album since before, like, a couple of years before I started doing stand-up, and he's been arguably my favorite comic for a really long time. Like, him, him, Cameron Esposito, Maria Butcher, and Tig Notaro. I feel like and Maria, Maria Bamford and Kristen Shaw. Because he was someone who didn't quit his job until he had to, because he had to stop taking vacation days because he was touring so much. Like, he's yeah. someone who I think, no matter what, will always be grounded. Kind of like yeah. what you talked about earlier. No, absolutely. Well, and also, like, he's still, like, the type of person where he has... He has, what, four albums at this point? Exactly. And he... Um, but when he comes to Richmond, he plays Strange Matter. Like, like that... Like, And I think that that... I feel like that's... I don't know. I feel like the best level for a stand-up is to be... Um, making a living and not playing theaters. <laughs> Granted, that's yeah. that's coming from me, who's still, like, a fucking open-mic comic. Or play who, some like, theaters, but also do a show in town that yeah. night or something. Something you're probably not supposed to do. I'm sure there's a ways around it, but, like... I don't know. I always like bands better when they play the small venues. Mm-hmm. Like I, will, I don't go to arena I, shows. I also just think comedy is better in a small venue. Thank like you. I, I think that like every, every now and then. Do you ever watch specials where like it's a comic who you love, but you watch a special where they're in a huge theater and they look awkward? It's like and you riff or like play crowd. Well, it's not even just that. You just realize that I'm like, oh, you never do theaters. You're mm-hmm. doing a theater for the special. Yeah. Because that's how specials are supposed to look. They're supposed to be in big theater, but you're always in like a basement venue, like, and that's what you're used to. That's how you know how to build energy up. But then you look at them in this huge theater and they look so small. That's interesting. Because I feel like, just as an example, like TJ Miller, I watched him do a set in Chirrut, Kansas. Okay. Like they put it up on YouTube and it's hilarious. And it was he was working on the special he just put out. I can't remember. The, the HBO name. one? Yeah, um, yeah. Meticulously ridiculous? Yeah. So I watched him do, like, he, I feel like he knows how to do both. And so, mm. like, watching him, like, he was doing the face mist thing yeah. in Kansas. And it was like, he could do the small venue, 
but he was trying to do like a big thing mm-hmm. that was more and I just feel like he's someone who can do both and like yeah watching someone like Pete Holmes do his HBO special mm-hmm. where it's just like I've never seen anything him small but like I've I just listening to him talk for like probably a mm. hundred hours like <laughs> he knows how to do the small things he knows mm. how to do the small rooms mm. and so like yeah I feel like it's better sitting in a small room for sure because I yeah. feel like it's big room you have to play big and it's just like because mm. you can't yeah the energy you're, you're creating the energy in a small room it's yeah exactly yeah. and it's just like I don't know it's something that I what you call it I, I forgot where I fucking was <laughs> you were talking about how um, that was how you got into Comedy. Yeah, well, yeah, so I was always sort of a comedy junkie, and I was the type of kid that could recite my favorite albums, and um, was always, yeah, I, well, that, I mean, in my, the way I put this, is that I, I think that it is kind of the best way to, like, learn how a joke should feel in your mouth, is just by repeating the joke the joke from your favorite comics particularly, I mean, this is way more acceptable if you're a high schooler, um, you know, if you're, if you're a, you know, a 35-year-old who's just repeating jokes to random, you know, but if you're a sophomore in high school, you can get away with that. Um, And that's what I did. I just repeated jokes, but, like, not just, like, repeating the words, but I would... I'm not good at impressions, but I can repeat cadences pretty well, and I would, like, an intonation, and that's kind of how I learned, like, by repeating, like, Kyle Kinane jokes and Anthony Jeselnik jokes and Stephen Wright jokes and John Mulaney jokes and... Um, Kristen Schaal and Maria Bamford and Tig Notaro and like just like finding those fi- like and then like pulling your favorite thing about those people like Tig Notaro's pauses are the best fucking thing in the world um, and like John Mulaney has the best just like like he can cock his head with his voice yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, his yeah. head's not cocking but his like it's just I, I, I don't know how to put it but just, um John Mulaney is, has that John Mulaney thing. Yeah, he's got he's got he's got perfect tone, um, and like, and so, just like pulling from those things and just like fi- like figuring out all the different ways like a joke can feel in your mouth while you're telling it, I think is one of the one of the most effective ways to learn how to tell a joke. Um, and so I'd been doing that like all through high school. Um, and then my senior year of high school, right before my senior year of high school, I started doing st- open mics regularly. And again, I was in high school. I was up in Nova, up in Northern Virginia. And um, I would drive 30 minutes to the next county over to do this one open mic. I did it every Tuesday night. I got five minutes. And that was my first year of doing stand-up, was just doing five minutes once a week my senior year of high school. Did you have um, your own material? Or were you doing... Oh, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't doing John Mulaney bits okay, okay. Um, or Kyle Canaan bits. Or would what, you do the same material every Tuesday, or did you have to come up with five new minutes every time? Um, I mean, I, I mean you, I, I, very early on, I w- pretty much had new shit every time just because I... Felt the pressure I, to do it? No, it wasn't that I felt the pressure. It was that I I felt I knew I wasn't reusing most of this shit. I was I was still trying to figure out what I wanted. Like I liked what felt like such a wide variety of stand up that I I didn't know what I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. so like very early on, my mentality was like, okay, I'm gonna tell you know an observational joke, an absurd joke, and a story, or I'm gonna do a philosophical joke a one-liner 
and a theatrical bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like some Kristen Shaw, Eugene Merman shit, um, <laughs> who I've... They're, they they actually, whenever I'm listing people, I feel like I don't mention them enough. I feel like I don't emphasize how yeah, important yeah. the two of them are to me. Um, independently of each other, pre-Bob's Burgers. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, um, but uh, and so, and it was a lot of doing that to, like, find out just, like, what kind of jokes do I like telling? And, like, and, and, and re- really just focusing on not even what reaction I'm getting from the audience, but just focusing on how do I feel when I'm talking about various things and, like, realizing that, like, oh, when I do really silly shit, I feel excited and electric. Okay, I want to do really silly shit. Or, um, you know, when I do an act out where I'm actually being, like, really big and silly and theatrical, I like that. I don't really like doing observational jokes. I, 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 I don't like that experience. I don't like telling stories. Um... Like, verbally, at least. Um, I That's not something that I enjoy doing performance-wise. And that is, like, cause I am currently wrapping up my degree, which is a film degree, and so... and. Um, with those two things, because I'll, I'll shoot video sometimes and do sketches or, sh- like, little shorts occasionally. Um, and with those two mentalities, I, I definitely... Or with those two mediums, I definitely have two very different mentalities. With stand-up, my mentality is very much about how I like performing and what the experience is for me performing it. And then, obviously, making sure that the way I'm doing it, the way I like it, gets a good reaction. Um, but the number one thing is making sure I'm being genuine. Um, the second, whereas, whereas with video or, or film, um, I personally believe that anyone making a movie should be making a movie that they are the intended audience for. Interesting. Um, I think that like the, the primary motivation that anyone should have to make something in that, in, in that type of medium should be, well, I really want to watch this movie. The only problem is it doesn't exist. So I guess I'm going to have to make it. Like, That's, that's super interesting. Because I've, I've, when I went through that whole thing, like mm-hmm. I wanted to get into doing stand-up, mm-hmm. playing music, doing a podcast, doing improv, mm-hmm. finding people who we could do sketches or something with, mm-hmm. get into all of these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And like you having done them have just inadvertently informed a lot of like kind of thoughts that I've had and helped like kind of expand on the realm of realm of thinking mm-hmm. so like just thinking about like that is just like everything you just said is just like <laughs> a little bit you know like <laughs> thank you so like because you've been through it like you've, you've been doing it for five years i've been doing stand-up for five years yeah and it's weird because the night that i saw you you did a story did i do a story you told a story about your process about recovery yeah well, yeah yeah well, before and after yeah mostly after but that that was a story. You said you don't like those stories. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, is that a story? To me, I I right now the way that I divide up my material is I've got jokey jokes, mm-hmm. which are one-liners for the most part, but not always. Um, they're just you know structured like they're, they're jokes. Yeah. Um, I've got theatrical <clears throat> pieces, um, and then I've got what I call trans material, which <laughs> um, which is most of which those overlap. All three of those media, like sure. three of those categories, overlap. But the trans material is the one that overlaps the stuff the most. But uh, and I, I just l- lump that in with trans material. I guess, I guess it's a story. Um, I mean, it's me. What it is is that I mean, so that's like about a three to f- that. That chunk varies. That's about a three and a half minute chunk that um, 
I guess in my mind, it's just a series of jokes about recovering from bottom surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, but it happens to go in like order of like this is what recovering from surgery is like. Mm-hmm. But I, but I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I get, I, I can definitely see the argument for it being a story, but it is also just like. I just view them as a lot of individual jokes that I've just put together because they're about the same thing. It's interesting because I, 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 I'm trying to write jokes. Mm-hmm. It's not going well. <laughs> but just like, I think the more what I... So I'm, have you started doing stand-up or are you just mostly doing improv right now? I'm pretty much only doing improv. I have yet to get on stage because I don't really have anything to get on stage with. Okay, um, you mean in terms of stand-up or improv? Stand-up. Okay, gotcha. Like improv for me... I think I think maybe that's what kind of what I want to focus on because like we did our class showcase last mm-hmm. week and it was awesome and had so much fun mm-hmm. and like me and my friend are doing like a set at the lab on Thursday. Fuck yeah! So like we I have fun being on stage and I feel like I've always wanted to be a performer. Mm-hmm. So like again being a stand up junkie like in mm-hmm. middle school my albums my first three albums were uh, Brian Regan his first album mm-hmm. George Carlin one of his albums and then Eddie Murphy Raw mm-hmm. so as a 15 year old I'm listening to those three on repeat yeah. and then of course you know it explodes into watching everything else yeah. like, kind of mostly what you mentioned and so like I've always wanted to do stand up and I'm sure that I have enough life experience to get started on something Yeah. but it, I think a lot of um, something I'm working through is the expectation of success Fear of failure. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I think with stand-up in particular, that's, like, the biggest fucking thing. I mean, like, well, so to go, to go back to the, um, when I w- first started, was I doing the same material or different stuff every week? I was doing different stuff every week, but I think it was just because I had this mentality where I just knew whatever joke I was doing, I wasn't going to keep it. It, was, it. It's the joke I wrote when I first fucking started. I'm not mm. going to write my keepers in my first couple weeks, like I and, and I think that was my mentality. Granted, I know some people who did, but um, but like it's still just something where I I think having the idea of like okay, I'm trapped. Like not not that I never brought anything back. You know, if I needed to fill time, I had the stuff. But like a lot of times, I would very early on, I would tell a joke once and then never tell it again because I was like, okay, I, you know, I did the joke. Um, and I think, and I think a lot, a large reason why I was able to do that is because I, I was 18. I was 18 and still in high school. And so I, um, I had no stakes. Mm-hmm. Like I could miserably fail and I would still be an 18 year old. Like, but, but so the thing, I think the thing, cause I feel like I'm open, like when, with, with improv, you can bomb at any time. Yeah. But, like, you, you don't have to go up there with anything prepared. And yeah. so with stand-up, I feel like I have to go up with something prepared. I think that... I think particularly, like, when for I mean, I, I, I think with stand-up... I mean, I'm an over-prepper, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like, whenever I say I'm going to wing it, that never means I'm going to riff. It means I'm not writing a set list and I'm just going to do the material that is very scripted just as it comes to me and as opposed to... It probably means I'm going to use an old set list. Yeah, yeah. Just without having thought about which old set list I'm using. Um, but they get so ingrained in my head because I'm an over-prepper. Sure. Um, and, uh, and, like, the... I mean, yeah, I, I think it definitely is something to... I think it should be prepared even in the beginning, but it should be. But in the beginning, it's no fucking pressure. You know, do whatever. My like one one piece of advice that I've realized is not applicable to people first starting, because um, 
because my criteria for what jokes I'm going to say, because I remember I was, I was talking to another comic at one point and I made an, a, an observation like a little like a conversation i i i have some bits that are not for that are not at all intended ever to be on stage they're like converse but they are bits they're like pretty scripted not yeah. perfectly but like they're 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 conversational bits of just like if i'm making conversation every now and then i'll remember something and it's normally because i said it naturally once and then it became it just turned into a fucking bit but uh and so i did like a conversational bit where i was talking about how like um, I feel like thrift stores and resale stores all have really gay names. Like, Fantastic thrift. Fa- yeah, yeah. And <laughs> well, then there's also in Richmond. There's rumors. Yep. Um, which it sounds just like a feel, club. Yeah, it just feels very <laughs> mm, like, or even like up in up in Northern Virginia. I remember. Well, like, well, first of all, there's you know Diversity Thrift, which is a gay community center of Richmond. Um, and then there's um, you know like. Plato's Closet. Um, <laughs> uh, up in Northern Virginia, there was a place called Rainbow Thrift, and then there was a place that was just called The Closet and had a sign on the side that said, Donations Accepted in Rear. Um, <laughs> which is just like, really? Yeah, it's whatever. And this comic was like, you should do that on stage. And I was like, no, never. Because um, I'm not excited about getting to say that on stage. That's just like a conversational, like, oh, I can make this one person laugh. Also, I don't really stand behind every gay joke needs to have to do with anal sex. Like, um, But also, like, it's something that we're like, you know, the idea of getting to say that on stage isn't exciting to me. So I'm probably just not going to say it on I stage. I feel like... As a stage, everything that you just told me, as a, if you were to try and turn it into a stage thing, the main focus would be how you don't want to say that on stage, and yeah. it'd be something on the end or somewhere else. That <laughs> the would entire be the joke is me fun. apologizing. Throughout the whole joke, I'm apologizing for doing the joke. Yeah, like like you would say, you'd name one of the stars, like, Chris Closet, I'm sorry, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Don't say anything except in rear, you just throw the mic down, like, come on! And then, yeah. So yeah, I feel like that would be, that's the only way I, I would say put on stage, but I get what you're saying. But me, so, because I don't know, maybe I'm just not mentally a writer, Mm-hmm. Like, I can, maybe I'm a performer, but, like, writing for me is something that I really need to, like, work on and kind of grind out and get to a point where my mind works that way. I feel like it also, I mean, something that I've been coming to terms with is how are you conceiving of writing? Like, when you think of writing, are you only thinking of sitting down with pen and paper or a, or a laptop or something and, and typing out or writing out whole jokes word for word? No, my idea, well, I think, thanks to Pete, I'm influenced by you either sit down and write or you write from stage. But mm-hmm. for me... Doing not being on stage and not wanting to, to sit down and write, I think of a funny premise. I'll write it down and I'll think about it and I'll just like yeah, let it grow that, as a thought. That's all I do. I very very rarely sit down and write something. Um, but my script, my my scripts, my bits are super scripted. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I don't like the most I ever write from stage is in, in the moment. I'll add a tagline <clears throat> every now and then once in a blue moon but for the most part um it'll more be like oh i had i mean a lot of times it'll be like i make a joke in conversation and i go oh that could possibly work for something and then it just sits in the back of my brain sort of growing and then eventually i'm alone and i just end up riffing with myself in my head Uh or i'm actually sometimes saying it out loud or i'm thinking about a bit where i'm like oh i want to do this bit and then it turns into like um sometimes if I'll, i'll I'll be doing this thing I'm currently doing with my hands where I'm, it looks like I'm counting, but it's really me like 
keeping track of the beats for the bit where I'm just, or, or some, the most sit down and writing I'll get is you'll see a string of bullet points um, where I'll like sit down and go, okay, this, 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 then this. And like, that's, that's the flow of the bit. And it, like, um, if you don't mind me bidding you real quick, like my current, my current intro joke is about how I need to explain the fact that I'm trans mm-hmm. um, every time I go on stage. Um, and I do. Um, ever since I started transitioning, my my intro joke has been about me being trans. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to keep them short. This one's not. This one's like a minute and a half long. But um, generally, I've tried to write short ones because I want to be able to address being trans and then either keep talking about it because I, I think it's important to talk about it or move on to anything else because uh, to prove to myself that I'm not a gimmick and I am funny without talking about trans shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and... For, and I've always had this conversation with comics where they're like, well, have you ever tried not addressing it? And I'm like, yeah, I have. And everyone just stares at me confused because they think huh. I'm doing a fucking character. Yep. Like, it's not, they're, they're not, a, they're not always like, like looking at me like angry and bigoted. They're normally just like confused mm-hmm. and like trying to figure out like, is this a, is this part of the bit? Yeah. Why? Like. I'm <laughs> trying to figure it out. They're not, they're not just it, like, I'm here. It's just it, like, what's Exactly. Did you guys see a Exactly. And so, like, the bit is that I, I go up and I grab... And, and so the current bit that I have... Because I used to tell very short ones. But the current one that I do is I just real quick... I You know, I hug the host because I usually just hug the host. I don't know why I started just hugging the host and so shaking. I don't know. Either way, I hug the host. I grab the mic and then very quickly just go, Hi, everyone. I'm transgender. Yeah. And then pause for a minute because sometimes saying that quickly and then saying nothing will get a laugh. Um, but if it doesn't, I still just go... Just, like, like, stare at them like... That's it. Yeah, and then, um, <laughs> and then, and then from there, I'll be like, which I thought in my case was self-evident, but apparently not, because every time that like every time I don't address it first thing, there's always a group of people in, in the audience who look really confused. Like, wait, why did the host say she? Why is this person wearing a dress? Why are they wearing lipstick? Why is their voice so deep? Why are they six foot two? What's going on? Where am I right now? Why haven't I read the news in the past three years? Wait, who's president? <laughs> Fuck. Okay, I don't even care what this fag is saying. Where I need to get my shit together because I've been in a fucking fugue state for fucking years. <laughs> And that happens literally every time I don't say it first thing, you guys. Mm-hmm. And it's emotionally exhausting. <laughs> um, and then there's, and the, yeah, and then it goes on to like, and so I've learned to be like, you know, hi, everyone, I'm transgender, which is better, but that'll even be, even still be exhausting because people are like, okay, hey, we get it, but what about your genitals? I'm like, guys, <laughs> I'm just a comic. <laughs> I'm going to get to my genitals. <laughs> that and that's, so funny. it's the whole bit. <laughs> And I'm really proud of that bit. That's a great bit. But I remember writing that in the shower. <coughs> I remember writing that in the shower. And the concept was just like, I want to talk about why I open with this. Like, I want to, like, because it, it does upset me. It, like, not only does it upset me that I have to open with it, but it upsets me that I have to explain to comics why I have to fucking open with it. So mm-hmm. why not have the bit just be the the explanation exactly and um and so right now i have two intros that address being trans that's one of them that's the long one and then i have a shorter one but um the uh and then i have a, like five or like f- anywhere between five and eight that i used to do um but the uh and i'll and i'll tell you i it, it makes you want to fucking like mm-hmm. impale yourself on a fucking spear sometimes having to open with the same joke every set. Um, but anyway, um, the, um, 
what you call it, um, the like. So the, I, I didn't like sit down and write that bit. It's very scripted. Those things are in a very specific order. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it gets jumbled in the moment because I'm either talking too fast or I'm uh, I don't know. I, I'm not hydrated enough, which is a huge thing for me. If I'm if I'm dehydrated, my whole set is fucked. Um, but the uh, uh, but for the most part, it has a very specific order, like. Um, you know, why did the host say she? Why is this person dressed? Why are they wearing lipstick? Um, why is their voice so deep? Why are they six foot two? Where am I right now? What, or what, no, what's going on? Where am I right now? Why, why haven't I read the news in the past three years? Oh, and there's also a, is this a character? Is this a comedy character? Um, and yeah, but there's, 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 but I remember when I was, I was just in the shower, just like, counting on my fingers like what are the beats here what is the like it's very staccato and what's the, the... heightening is so good it, it's <laughs> like that, that that that's the that's that's the work that i think is evident of your ability as a comedian because like you just have the perfect like you could organize them better to get like the staircase and just, like, <laughs> right. i mean what i also like about that bit is that that bit helps me a lot with like if a room is dead um, you get them on board immediately because they're just like into what you're saying. Yeah, like I, I say a quick thing and then I'm just, I have, I the thing that I think, if I'm going to brag about myself, <laughs> the thing that I feel most proud of myself for is that I feel like I can bring my own energy and not rely on the audience already having energy. That's um, one of the things I love about comedy is sometimes I'll be watching a special or something, even just watching on TV and I'm just like halfway through or 45 minutes and I'm just like, oh, I'm watching comedy like sometimes i get lost in the show and that was your set was just like lost and then like oh i'm at a show right now oh my goodness like i'm just lost in the story so that was one of the things that you just spoke to just like yeah just being able to bring that and just be like this is what it is like Mm. this is a whole it's not just me telling jokes this is a performance Mm -hmm. so like that's one of the things i think i liked the most was it was a whole performance and like that's i think that that's the best comedy thank you i appreciate that you killed it it was so good (laughs) Thank you. And, yeah. But, so, yeah, for writing stuff, I think that definitely, like, because I, I, I know that I still will be really harsh on myself if I don't, like, sit down and write. And then I'll realize, I'm like, but I have, like, three new, or, or like, like even if, I, even if I'm, like, oh, I don't have any new bits. And it's like, yeah, but you've got, like, five half bits that will get there. They just got to, ru- they got to rattle around in the back of your, <laughs> they got to rattle around in the back of your brain for, you know, another week or two, and then eventually you'll just, you know, shit them out, and they'll happen. <laughs> like, they'll take form. The first the, the first wave of me trying to write, I would just have an idea, I would think about it, and then there was one night where I sat down and, like, okay, what if I told this joke and I wrote it all out? Not, like, this is what it is now, but just, like, how would I do it? Yeah. And, like, I had this one joke that I would just tell all my friends and family. I would just, like, repeat it to them, and eventually it kind of grew and changed, and it was nice. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's how I first started, um doing bit where I would do it like in the cafeteria at school <laughs> like yeah. Um, yeah I wish I feel like that's the way to do it like the way you did it was just like you committed to doing that thing very young and so like for me like starting at 25 like it's something that I will do a couple times in my life but it will never be a big thing for me I mean I don't think that's true I think I mean at least in Richmond I think the average span of time for starting to do stand-up is between 25 and 28. Really? I think that's the average. At least, I mean, that's not, like, from any formal studies conducted about Richmond comedy, but just me looking around and, like, being, like, and, like, 
there was a point where I was like, how old did people... Because, I mean, being... I'm in a weird position with Richmond Comedy because I have been doing... I'm on the law... Like, I've been doing it longer than most people in Richmond. Not everyone, obviously. Like, there's a lot of people... There's a hand... There's a good, you know, chunk of people who've been doing it longer than me. But for the most part, like, the bulk of the scene who's been doing it a while, I've been doing it the same amount of time as. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... But also, I'm one of the youngest, um, still. Like, there, there's now recently, like, a handful of people who are, like, you know, 19 or 20 who, like, I'm, who I'm older than. Um, but for the most part, at 23, I'm still one of the absolute youngest people doing it. In, With doing, experience doing stand-up. Too. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think I'm the only one. Um, with who's 23 and has been doing it five years, but also five years is yeah, it's five years. <laughs> I'm trying, this is me forcing modesty into myself. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's very clear that you are what you are, and like comedian wise, you are five years in. I think that's a good place to be. I feel good about it. Yeah. I feel, I feel, I feel proud of what I've done, but I also make a point of reminding myself not to stop, like. You know, not to be like, like you know, I'm proud of what I've done, and I and I think it's important to be proud of what you've done. I think it's important to acknowledge what I consider to be an accomplishment, which is I've been doing this for five years, and that's mm-hmm. fucking great. And I'm starting to advance in certain areas. Like, I'm starting to, like, book some shows out of town. And like I said, I'm really bad at networking. I'm not good at seeking shows out of town. Mm-hmm. I've managed to get booked in shows out of town by just doing my thing, and that feels really good. And I think it's important to acknowledge and be proud of things like that. But also I'm making a point of being like, yeah, but also, you know, humble yourself and make sure that you never lose drive. Yeah. Um, and never stop, like, pushing to do not necessarily more, but better. <laughs> so, like, So do you have, like, a goal for, I don't know, like, the next five years or something? Like, what do you, are you working towards just, like, do good comedy? That's, I mean, right now that's my entire mentality. Like, I, I've, I, I've, the way I, like, put that is, like, I'm, I'm 100% craft-oriented and not at all, like, career-oriented. Sure. Um, which is just to say that I'm entirely focused on my set going well. And that's, I mean, that's not 100% true. I, I'll do, like, you know, like, um, back in August, I was lucky enough to have been asked to speak on a panel in D.C. about women in comedy. And it was an event for women in comedy. And so there was just a bunch of comics in a room and I was on a panel and it was mostly comics from DC and Baltimore and I was like oh shit here are people I've never like I've never met and I get to meet them and so like I got business cards printed so like yeah I can't say I'm not at all career oriented but I I, I, but the goal is not I want to have a career it's I want to be good at this and then when these opportunities come, you're like, oh, I'm going to take advantage of stuff. Like exactly. That. And I want to be able to seize opportunities. But also like, it, but, but also going into that conference, the main thing I was excited about was like, oh, I get to meet a bunch of lady comics that I don't know. Yeah. Like, I get to meet these people. And like, I Googled the other people on the panel, and like, all of them were super impressive. And I was like, holy shit, how did I end up on a panel with these people? And like, it was really great. And like, they had a couple people do stand-up at, at the end of the conference. And I got to close that out, which I know that... You had the, to close the panel show? I got to close it out. But the re- I mean... It it was because it was a panel in DC and I was, I was coming from the farthest away and I think they gave me the closing spot, but it went really well. It was like, everyone seemed really into my set. Um, and I, you know, I handed out a bunch of business cards and from that I've, I've gotten booked on a couple shows 
out of town and like that's really cool and yeah, I feel really, really cool. I feel really proud of that and I feel like it happened really organically yeah um, which I don't, is a nice way to have it happen like I, I, I get so embarrassed when I like I, 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 I can't schmooze people I can't I can't do that I like it, it, it whenever like even, even when I'm not doing it if I feel like I'm coming off like I'm doing it I get so embarrassed and I'm yeah. like I like I like it's so important to me that whoever I'm talking to knows that I'm talking to them because they seem dope like yeah. not, and not because they can do something for me exactly um, yeah I feel like that's a very pure way to do it and it's like one of the reasons why you are where you are because like you just you just want I want to do the thing. I want to do it. <laughs> you want to have fun doing it, and it's not fun when you have to like sell yourself. It's yeah, it's more fun when someone's like, like me, like I like your comedy. You're like, oh, that's awesome. Like, it's great, and it's not like, great. How can I turn this into whatever? It's just, it's just a good thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, comedy is a good thing, and I, my, my, in terms of like goals and stuff, I mean. Ideally, I would like to eventually not have to, as much as I said earlier, like everyone should have a day job. I would like to eventually not need one. Um, mostly because I, I, um, well, there's the whole thing of being trans and trying to get employment and I would like to not have to depend on an employer not being shitty. That'd be cool. Um, and then also like, I, you know, if you don't have a day job, you can focus more on comedy. And again, like I said, if I ever managed to not have a day job, I would still try to like volunteer my time as to have those experiences with humans that are not comics. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Cause I think those are so important. I think, it, and I think it's so important like to get all, to get all Werner Herzog about it, just like like Werner Herzog has this long spiel about how the best way to become a great filmmaker is to go out and like experience things. Like, yeah. like, like you you can learn how to make a movie like really quickly and easily, but the way to be good at making movies is to go get life experience. And um, I feel similarly, but slightly, but rather than focusing necessarily on life experience, just like human human interaction and human exchange. Um, And so, like, I would like to get to the point where I don't need a day job um, just for, like, my own autonomy. Um, And so, like, my current concrete plan, right now it is September 2017. I almost forgot the year. And my plan is to move to L.A. by 2019. 2019 is my deadline. My hard deadline is January 10th. 2019 to be in LA. And the reason for that is because if I don't man it, like, you know, again, it's a deadline. So it's not, I'm not planning on moving there January 10th, 2019. That's if I haven't yet. And so if I manage to move there midway through 2018, great. But if I get towards the end of 2018, you know, if I moved to LA in November 2018, I can't imagine how, like, I, I currently live near my, like, I live two hours from my parents. Mm-hmm. If I moved in, like, November 2018, my mom would be pissed at me because I wouldn't <laughs> be around for holidays. For holidays. So, like, so, you know, if I get ready and I'm ready in November 2018, then I'm like, oh, let's wait a month or two. January, um, yeah. So that I, but then, you know, are you going to try to move between Christmas and New Year's? No. So January 10th um, just seems like a reasonable amount of time after holidays yeah. to just go and be somewhere. If, if it comes to that, maybe, maybe I'll move September 2018. Who knows? Um, I, I, I don't. All I know is that right now I'm saving money, trying to get job skills and... Um, See, I've got one, I've got three credits left on my degree. Fin- finish that up in December. Then uh, 
hit up any possible contact I have to maybe see if I could secure a job out there ahead of time. Yeah. And if not, just save up money um, and move out there and hopefully have like a job skill. Right now I, I work at um, I work at Lamplighter and I'm uh, currently going through, I work register and the occasional dish shift. Um, and I um, am currently going through coffee training though. And if I could, you know, be a barista and be a barista for like a handful of months before moving, then I can move out there and have like a job skill as opposed to, I know how to work an iPad and I'm very friendly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> No, that sounds like a great plan. It feels like it feels like you're actualizing what you want to do. Yeah, and 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 the biggest thing is like you know again, I would like to make a living, but also I just want to keep doing it. I I I just and 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 that's been such an interesting mentality to think like like when job when I'm job whenever I job hunt whenever that situation comes up where I have to job hunt, um, I have to think of a job. I mean, first of all, number one thing is I have to think of a job where I am safe as a trans person, um, which is a bummer that that is something I have to think about, but it's there. And then, but then the n number two thing is a job that allows me to do comedy enough for me to remain sane. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the great things about working at a coffee shop right now is that, granted, I have some friends who are more capable of going and doing out-of-town shows, but I personally love, like, you know... Right now, Lamplighter's on summer hours. We close at like 6. I'm out by 7.30. I can make it to any open mic yeah. that I want mm -hmm. after, after any shift. <laughs> like, and so Lamplighter is great for me being able to do comedy in Richmond. Um, and when I move to L.A., I'm going to have to think in a similar mindset of like finding a job where I'll still be able to do stand-up and like finding... Finding jobs that allow you to do your passion is something that I think is, it, it's really neat to think about, actually. It's like, because you, you want your day job to be fulfilling. You don't want it's it to be something awesome. you don't give a fuck about. I'm going through that right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. May I ask what you do? I do data QA for a company that's on board already. Like, okay. It's, it's What's QA? Quality assurance. Okay. I'm trying so you just make sure that the, 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 the all, all the datums... All yeah. the datums yeah. are really good. It's really, it's way more boring than that. Every is. single datum. Sorry, I, I recently learned that data is a plural term. Yeah. And datum is the singular of is data, it? apparently. You know more than I do. Yeah, that's my, my philosophy. The one class I'm taking is um, uh, reason and knowledge. Uh, it's for, my, my cinema degree requires that we have two minors. Um, and so it's for my philosophy minor. And, I love uh, philosophy. I have the best teacher. I love philosophy. I don't like the people that are drawn to philosophy. Because <laughs> um, it's a lot of assholes. <laughs> Just people who think the devil's advocate is a reason, is a, is like an acceptable stance. Um, but uh, the... But I like this class. Uh, I like my professor a lot. Um, but the the entire it looks like the entire semester we're basically just gonna be talking about whether or not we're in the matrix. Um, <laughs> that sounds. I don't know. Being one year removed from college, it's talking about school stresses me out. Talking about a philosophy class is like, oh, that would be fun. Yeah, I mean, it's the sort of thing where like maybe maybe when I'm a couple years removed from college, like once I've moved to LA, if I if I have any sort of like financial leeway I might consider like taking philosophy classes at community college just because mm -hmm. it's like it's like a book club but but just a discussion group yeah <laughs> like, definitely 
That makes sense, though. And I'm sure LA has some good stuff on that there, too. Yeah. It just So the first episode I did of this show was with my friend Tom. And mm-hmm. him and I have collaborated on a bunch of different kind of projects. Mm-hmm. And we talked for a good 100 minutes about basically the expectation of success and that fear of failure. Mm-hmm. And how, like, they both are really drive you. And it, it seems just based on everything you just said, you found this perfect sweet spot. Uh, I mean... Where you're not... You don't expect... Success. You're not afraid of failure. Mm. You just want to do it. I think. I think that's. I think that's my my idealized version of myself. Yeah. Of course. (laughs) I love talking about people's idealized versions because it's different when you're in the situation doing it. Yeah. But the thing is, is you are driven by your idealized version, and so if you stray too far, you're like, wait a minute, I need to reevaluate. Absolutely, and 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 so yeah, like it's a sort of thing where like. I feel like, you know, have you ever met, like, a yoga nut who acknowledges that they have, like, anxiety and, like, are actually, like, a super anxious person? Like, what? You seem so so, so, so zen. And it's like, well, yeah, why do you think I started doing yoga? Because I have anxiety. Like, (laughs) um, I think that is kind of my relationship to a lot of what I've been saying, which is, like... You know, I I'm an anxious person, and I I I I experience a lot of the fear of failure stuff, and so, mm-hmm. you know, all the stuff that I've been like, this is my belief. It's my belief because I've calculated into that, and I've and I put a lot of energy into reminding myself. But give yourself that, the credit that drives what you do. So like that's true. you you might there might be times where that's not the case, but like your goal is to be pure with the art. Your mm-hmm. goal is to be a good person, and all these other things that you talked about. So like. Regardless of what you do in the moment, because no one's perfect, we're all human, we're trying Everyone our best. Everyone wavers. Yeah. And anxiety really is a driving thing, but, like, your goal is to do that. And if, like, that's, that speaks highly of a person, and so, like, give yourself that credit. You, you deserve that, for sure. Thank you, I yeah. appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Yay, pep talks! <laughs> <laughs> that's usually, that's usually uh, one of the things I'm good at. And um, I can always be counted on to talk about that time on my relationship and butter up my guest because I feel like that's those are two <laughs> things I'm just I'm guaranteed that mm-hmm. very rarely do I have to put the host hat on because it's just a conversation you notice we've been talking for like an hour's conversation which yeah. is like how I love it yeah, but absolutely. I do want to transition into talking about uh, human relationship and kind of your experience as yeah, an artist or human relationship and I feel like the place I want to start is like obviously and I feel like this having seen your show and like mm-hmm. obviously with your transition you had the support of your family uh, for yeah, um, yes, and I feel like while that's an important part of you, I feel like talking about that too much is just like not giving you the credit just as a person. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm very talking about my transition in general, or specifically having the support of my family. To talk about your transition in general, because mm-hmm. that's not who you are. That's just something that you went through, right? Is, um, that, is that the? I, I'm going yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, yes. I feel like there's a big. I feel like there's a big push for trans people and queer people in general to have this I, I mentality of like, this doesn't define me, it's just an adjective or whatever, mm. which is accurate, that, that's accurate, but sometimes I get the vibe from how aggressively it's spouted that it's something that has been like, yes, it is just like the fact that I'm trans, the fact that I'm queer, those are just adjectives. But also, they are a lens through which I view everything. Absolutely. Um, and so, and I feel like that's a nice middle ground of not downplaying it because it, it's a huge thing. Existing, particularly like I am not like I don't I don't like this term, but it, like I you know I, I don't get read as a cis woman. I don't I don't quote unquote pass. Um, 
I don't like the term passing for a lot of reasons that I can get into if you want, but don't have to. Um, like I don't, I, I, and I don't really want people to read me as a cis woman. So I'm very visibly trans as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is by design to a certain degree for me, um, where I, I feel very strongly about that. But um, also unavoidable in certain six two. In in in, in 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 some in some ex, like instances, but also it's something where it's just like. I, but the point is just like being visibly trans, like. It's something that I think about constantly because I live in a world that doesn't let me forget it. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and so it's something where, like, simultaneously, like, yeah, because, like I said, some some nights I do my opening joke about being trans, and then I don't want to talk about it for the rest of the night because it's important to me to prove that I can be funny without talking about that. But then also there's other nights where I my entire 15 minutes is all trans jokes because I think it's fucking important to talk about it. Um, and it's important that, like a trans person be dictating trans narrative in front of people as opposed to I think that's the thing and having you on the show it's just like I have you on the show because you're an artist and so like my goal was not to be like so you're trans what's up with that (laughs) I appreciate that (laughs) because it's like yeah, that's that's a thing, and I don't. I definitely don't want to downplay it. But I also, that's not. Yeah. That's not, so it's no, just like gotcha. trying to find. Like, it, it's it's an it's an intricate and nuanced part of my identity. Yeah. Um and, and and it's also something where like I I mean yeah I mean I've been super into the fact that so far this conversation has been like just talking about comedy shit because I can talk about comedy shit for fucking ever and also I can talk about myself for fucking <laughs> ever. <laughs> the, um, the, the reason it came up is because now we're getting into. Because I like talking about what makes an artist. Mm-hmm. And then I like talking about... I, I guess the way it could be talked about is who makes an artist. Like, Because mm-hmm. we're going to talk about uh, family and support. And then like your relationships mm-hmm. and support. And I feel like it's unavoidable, mm-hmm. the fact that you're trans. But it's yeah. just like... Cause the, and the and it, it's part of it. It's part yeah. of my narrative. And it's, and it's a part of my narrative that only recently has stopped being a crisis mode part of my narrative. Like, I, I just recently got to the point where I don't consider myself baby trans. <laughs> like, where I, I've, you know, I've been transitioning for three years. I've been on hormones for two years. I got, I got bottom surgery, like, a, like eight, nine months ago. And um, obviously, like, you know, that's a very textbook transition. Transition looks like so many different things mm-hmm. for so many different people. And I, you know, while I'm here, I'm just going to, you know, do the quick sound bite. Not all trans people want surgery. Not all trans people need surgery. You know, whatever, whatever anyone, you know, any person's transition looks however they feel it should look sure. um, in a perfect world. You know, other people's transitions look how they have access to transition. But um, but the point is, is that there's no, you know, a lot of people are like, well, what order do things happen in? It's like any order that ha- that, that, that you can make work, like, and, and works for you. And, um, but so, but the point is, it's a part of my narrative and it's only recently, like, this this past year has been the first year where I've been like, I just feel yeah I'm good I, I I'm I'm quote unquote done with transition in that I am not seeking anything else medically I'm not um like I I'm this is the final product of me mm-hmm. like you know I, I I would say I'm no longer in transition I've I've landed 
at where at where I want to be in that way. So that being said, I'm still existing as a trans person because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people. A weird question that I'll get from people is like, "Well, when you're done transitioning, are you no longer trans?" And it's like, do you think that trans is short for transition? Like that's a really condescending way of putting it, but it's also like kind didn't, of funny, o- yeah, didn't yeah. occur to me that people thought that. Well, um, I'll give you the short the, for transgender. The perspective of somebody who doesn't isn't exposed to that. Yeah, it's not it's not a huge part of your life because it doesn't have to be. Yeah, but it's like um, I have like I grew up in Southern Utah. Oh, okay. So like, and when I was sixteen, I started to move around. And, I like, say that as if that means anything to me. I know um, what it means, and it's so funny because well, well, I, I grew up in in Mormonville. Like that's what it that, was. That, that's fair. But it wasn't until like literally a solid five seconds after you said Utah. Like you might as well have said you know anywhere else. Iowa, Illinois, yeah, any any like. like <laughs> Any state that I've, I've I've only ever lived in Virginia. I don't know where anywhere else is like. So like, it's 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 like typical like, I was raised Catholic and people wouldn't let their kids play with me because because I you was, weren't Mormon exactly. Yeah. And so like to me, I never really looked at the world like that. It was mm-hmm. just like learning and like, like and this is like a true. This is just my experience. Like we didn't have black kids in my school or in my neighborhood. Yeah. And so, like, when I moved, as I kept moving, like, I was exposed to more different kinds of people. And yeah. so being here, like, I would say that you are the first transgender person who I've had a chance to, like, talk to. About anything. trans shit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I would say, there, yeah, there's probably been... I, I, I think you phrased that very well because I, a lot of people will throw, like, you're the first trans person I've ever met, and I always, like, snarkly go, that you know you've that, met. Yeah, you <laughs> like, know, exactly. Like, I could have... You never know. Yeah. Uh, and, like... Uh, and, and I feel like a lot of people think that when I say that, I, I'm talking about trans people who have transitioned and are, quote-unquote, going stealth. Mm-hmm. But what I actually mean is people who are yet to transition. Exactly. exactly. Um, and, like, I met my... I... I some, I, I finally like met someone who outwardly identifies with they them pronouns uh-huh. and like getting because I talked I hang out with her like on the regular and so like my favorite thing is to go to her and be like all right it, like help me educate myself like I'm gonna say mm. something it might sound arrogant but I'm trying I'm coming at you wanting to be mm. more woke or whatever the term is mm-hmm. and so like that was uh, I told her that I was gonna have you on the show and she was just like she didn't need, feel the need to educate wait this me. is they them yeah okay. So she was just so like, they. did I say she? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so bad with it because it's like, like, this is the first person who I would do that with. So like, yeah, they, mm-hmm. and I, even, even to her, it, I it, still, it gets her, easier I still did it again. Even to them, I still say she, and she, they still identify as like, these more he boy kind of things. Like they're trans mask is what it sounds like you're describing to me. I have no idea. I mean, I I, I don't want to shove a label at your friend, but what you're describing to me sounds trans trans mask is a broader term as Mm -hmm. opposed to saying like a trans dude, because, um, you know, not everyone who, you know, is AFAB and transitions to slightly more mask of center identifies as a man. Well, I know Um, that they don't want anatomically. They're good. And yeah. I think it's just it's just a matter of uh, I know not wanting to have a gender. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, and there's and and when also like the use of they them pronoun like non-binary identities is so complex. I mean, I mean, I, well, I, I said that as if it's all my. <laughs> it, it's not that it, it, it's actually 
fairly simple. The only reason it feels complex to anyone is because we have binary genders shoved down our throat oh, as, if the, as if they're the only fucking option. Yeah. But also, like, so much so that when people hear about non-binary identities, they think non-binary refers to one identity. A third, a a, third option. A third option. Yeah. As if it's like, no, 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 that's an umbrella statement for countless other options. Like, non-binary refers to, there are countless genders and our culture accounts for two of them mm -hmm. and any gender that's not one of those two is weird to the general is, public is is a not is non-binary so literally there's there's an infinite amount a scale, right? of and and we've accounted for two it's not I, I, mean, I, I, I don't i don't even like saying scale no, because right, um because yeah. because because calling it a spectrum or a scale mm -hmm. gives the impression that it's the area between the existing genders exactly. but non-binary identities expand beyond um, the binary like, culturally accepted genders. Um, and the uh, I, I said existing genders earlier and I feel embarrassed. Um, <laughs> obviously, I, I, you know what I mean though. The, the it's hard, cu it's culturally hard, yeah. accepted culturally accepted genders and like non-binary like um, you know because there's, there's agender people who don't have a gender at all. There's non-binary people who have a very specific and fixed gender that is not uh, being a man or being a woman, there is non-binary people who are gender fluid and are different genders at different times, and there are people who um, are bi-gender and experience actively multiple genders. And um, that's the thing that's so that's so difficult, just as proven by my she. It's just like I, I want very much to accept yeah, everybody, but it's, it's something that as someone who was raised, you know, with the two, mm -hmm. it's very difficult to kind of... And it takes... Time, it I, think, it, I think it, it takes it, time, it, but also being exposed it to It takes people. time and practice. Practice, exactly. So, like, being around my friend, like, it, they it, are going to help me be more mindful so that when I meet more people who are like that, it's, it's never like a, she, oh, damn, I mean they. Yeah, absolutely. I mean? And, and, and it's also something that um, it, and I'm, and I'm glad that it sounds like your friend is very um, willing to help you with that because it's also something where it's like, it's not their responsibility to make sure that you know how to do that. Yeah. Um, they, like, I know, I know plenty of trans folks who are just like, avoid... Like they have very, I mean, I, I myself am, am one of that. I, outside of comedy, I maybe have like one cishet friend, like one friend who is straight and cis, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. um, outside of comedy and outside of work. Um, like, so out, if you remove all the things that are like friends I've gotten through proximity, um, the people that I choose to surround myself with. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of that is a matter of like, like, I personally am someone who, like, sometimes I worry about this, actually, because I talk about being trans so much, and I and I care about educating people about trans issues, um, and I don't want, and I obviously want to make it clear that, like, you know, I have one experience amongst that are, you know, everyone has a different experience, everyone has different life experiences and all this stuff, but um, I worry that me being so willing to talk about it, I give people the impression to go bother their trans friends about things. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that me explaining things means they won't go bother their trans friends mm -hmm. about the stuff they're wondering. So much so that, like, like um, my friend Pat, um, my favorite quote that's ever been said about me um, is my friend Pat, who said, uh, you know, obviously it is so rude and you should never ask a trans person about their genitals. You should never do that. 
But if you just go talk to Mary Jane for like ten minutes, she'll bring it up. Like, <laughs> she'll she'll mention it. Like, that, yeah, um, I guess like, as somebody who I get wants to be very accepting. I think the way because I know that like, there's Google. There's that, but like with with my friend like. They made it a very comfortable space to ask those questions. Like it Absolutely. wasn't just a matter of just like, so you are this. And I and I and I do think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, to have it, like it, an open dialogue about things like that. Absolutely, but I also think it's important that it not be made the responsibility. Like I, I think yes. I think I think I think marginalized peoples, it should not be their responsibility to educate not marginalized peoples. Um, and so like and. But at the same time, people who do choose to do that or do decide that they have the energy to do that, for the most part, generally, mm-hmm. that's important because it's important that pe- that people get educated. And I will um, say, as somebody who is not marginalized, really in any way, I appreciate it very much <laughs> when I can yeah. say, like, I don't know. Please tell me the 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 truth so that I can say now I know. Absolutely, yeah. and 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 also like I mean I like I like to think that I can tell the difference between when someone is like, hey, I can I just I, I'm just trying to you know be in the know versus when someone's asking a question in a way where you can tell they're inherently challenging what they feel oh, they know your answer is going to be. Okay. Like. Yeah. So why? Yeah. Why? Why shouldn't we not have trans people in bathrooms? Why? Why not? Like, like you know that, that that's 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 someone gearing up for a debate. They're they're yeah. they're they're asking me to on the spot on a Tuesday just like defend mm-hmm. my existence. See, for me, it's I'll be sitting with my friend and we'll be a couple of glasses of wine in, and I'll be like, <laughs> okay, okay. So this, and then like this, and she's and they're like, okay. This is, so this. Yeah, exactly. And so for me, it's just like, yeah. yeah, I know that with them, I have a very safe, open space. But the, to do that to somebody... But that's also... Th- but it sounds like they're someone that you are close with mm-hmm. and, um, like... They know where I'm coming from. They know where you're coming from. They know you and there's, like, an intimacy there mm-hmm. that allows for something like that. You're not a stranger yeah. who's like, oh, you're non-binary? Okay, let's find... It. Yeah, because I've had... I had People who I hadn't talked to since high school hit me up to ask me about bathrooms. Um, I didn't transition in high school. Yeah. Like, they're just Facebook friends with me and had seen that I transitioned. Okay. Well, um, and, like, those, those are two different things. Um, and, like, but anywho. Um, yeah. I feel like that, that that is the appropriate amount of time that we can pro- we probably should spend on the topic because we acknowledge it. Mm. We're on the same page. <laughs> yeah. And now we can proceed just, like, a normal yeah. conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So, with your comedy, mm-hmm. how, how do you feel... And I, I think the best way to kind of bring it is kind of the preface. Through doing this show, I've thought a lot about how my family has influenced my artistic endeavors. Mm-hmm. I realized that... My mom has always been extremely supportive of anything I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but she never gave me a push in any direction. So I kind of got to 25 thinking like, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. And so I eventually found it. I'm happy with where I am and I don't mm-hmm. hold any ill will. But I, on one hand, I kind of wish that like, like I had a friend, Matthew, on who was like, my my dad bought me a guitar and like an amp and like yeah. when I was a kid or like oh my dad bought well, me I mean you, you also have those kids who like you know if you're if you if you have a, if you want any chance of being in a symphony you have to start playing violin when you're like fucking two exactly. like, exactly. like but yeah but, um, in so, ter- so for me it wasn't until 
uh, my sister told me, I was playing guitar one day, she's like, you should play in front of people, and I'm like, oh, I should do that, and that one little sentence, like, motivated me to, like, start working and, like, trying to write. And I want to be good enough to play in front of people. Exactly, so, like, I kind of wish, I think the thing for me is I wish that she had seen me doing these things, and mm-hmm. been like, hey, I like that, or you should do that more, just kind of push what she, what I was already doing. Mm-hmm. So, how, I guess that's kind of the, the, the frame that I'm looking yeah, at Yeah, what, what, what's my experience, what's the analog for me in that? sense yeah. um i i wasn't pushed in any direction artistically um either like it was something that i well so i'm the youngest of three okay um and we're all pretty different actually like my the, my sister is the eldest and she was more academically minded in that she was like fourth in her class in high school went to uva um my brother was um I think was more comfortable with like sports stuff where yeah, like he, 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 you know, he kept doing sports all through high school. I think even after he graduated college, he still did like some, like, I think, he, I, I, I don't know if he still does this, but I know for some time he was doing like intramural basketball stuff of just like, you know, playing basketball with people his age, which I think is fucking awesome. Like, um, and in like a structured league, like a community league. Um, and I have always been more, Spastic? I don't know. Um, like, I mean, I swam. Like, I, I, I did. I, I did one season of a lot of the sports growing up, and but the only one that I ever did consistently was swimming, which all of us did. Um, but then outside of that, like, in middle school, I took some guitar lessons. I think just because the oppor- like I was told I could, um, or I expressed interest. In, like, I saw that I was into emo music, and they were like, "Want to do that? Maybe let's let's see." Um, but in terms of, like, like, you know, I did chorus in middle school because it was an elective that I could do, like, and then I started doing theater in high school. Um, I actually started doing theater the summer before high school because there was a community, there was a play that the Sterling Playmakers were doing. Um, it was and that a, was in Nova? That was up in Nova, yeah. I'm from Sterling, Virginia. And um, same hometown as Patton Oswalt. Ha <laughs> My main claim to fame. And, um, but so, the, uh, what you call it, um, who's also, I can't believe I didn't mention him earlier. Um, he's so, huge for me. So many names. Well, he, I'm sure there are so many others yeah, that you'd be missed. Yeah, but he's fucking enormous for me. Absolutely. Um, but anyhow, um, the... Yeah, and I, I think I just was always, like, really obsessed. Like, you know, I was a kid that was, like, playing my Game Boy a lot um, and was then later, like, I was doing theater, and I, I think I was always just, like, a little arrogant. Not Not in the sense of, like, thinking I'm the shit, but just in the sense of, like, thinking... I, if I keep doing this, I could do this. <laughs> like, um, yeah, well, that's really good. I can pursue this. Yeah. Um, a belief in yourself. Yeah, exactly. Or, or, or at least a, be- a belief in trying. Yeah. Um, and like, and so, yeah, I, I know in middle school I wanted to be like a rock star and then eventually I was like, oh, this maybe isn't my thing. I, I think, I think it's something that I like, not something that I necessarily need to do. Um, and, and now. You felt the need to perform. Not need. Maybe those the need and perform are the wrong words. Yeah, but but, you get what I'm saying. but yeah, but in high school I started doing theater and I was really into that. And then like the way I started, the thing that pushed me to actually start doing stand up was that my theater teacher left after a sophomore year, and I gave the new one like a year, my junior year, um, and I was 
you know, holding out, but then I was like, I'm just not into the new one. And so I found a new outlet for performing, which was doing this open mic once a week and up in, up like in one county over. And then also my senior year of high school, I got super early release, which just means like we had four blocks a day and I left after the second block every day. Same. Um, I left at noon and the way I was allowed to do that was because I was taking classes at the community college. And, uh, but the classes I was taking were like screenwriting and improv. Ooh, <laughs> um, those sound nice. So like I just took, yeah, I just took an improv class my senior year, like uh, both semesters my senior year I took an improv class. And then the first semester I took screenwriting and the second semester I took acting for the camera. Um, and then beyond, and so that's, that's how I got out of school at noon every day was by taking two classes at the community college. And, um, and so the, I think it, it, it wasn't something that my, like, again, like I said, like my parents didn't introduce me to stand up or anything. Like I just, I think I kind of just fell into it. It was something that I, 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 I think a lot of it also was me being a youngest child. Um, and, you know, being, you know, I, I like to joke that I can make anything about me being trans, so let me do that real quick, which is, um, I've, I'm obsessed with sitcoms. I love sitcoms so fucking much. They're my favorite thing in this fucking world. And I think part of the reason why I love sitcoms, and, like, that, that I'm, I'm lumping in, like, kids' cartoons with that to a certain degree, like Hey Arnold and yeah, yeah, yeah. good shit. Um, <laughs> and I think that part of the reason why is that as a child, when I didn't know what was going on with me, I had gender dysphoria, but I didn't know how to identify it. I didn't even necessarily know it had to do with my gender all the time. I was in very heavy denial. Um, I would dissociate, and I would dissociate into these TV shows where um, I could have these relationships with these characters, and I didn't have to input anything. And the, there was world building, and I could kind of be so into it that I could like forget that I existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where I started getting really into comedy is being really into these sitcoms that I could sort of lose myself in and then that taught me how to cope with humor and um and like so and then also being the youngest I think like you know combine combine a sense of not being seen properly because you're a trans child who doesn't know you're a trans child um so not being seen properly with being the youngest, um, I think I just felt very like, yeah, no, I gotta say some shit. <laughs> like, I gotta, I gotta do the thing that's gonna make me seen and heard. Um, and so, I, I think that's what put me there. Is I, yeah, I, I think I had this craving to feel like I was heard and understood, mm-hmm. and I think that performing was a way for me to. If not, if not understood, at least feel seen and, how, and how acknowledged. How did trans feel about you going half hour of town to go do the open mic on Tuesdays? Um, they were fine with it. I told them where it was. I didn't let them come with me. Um, I did not want anyone I know seeing me. I, I would maybe bring a friend or two. And then once I got comfortable, I had like a couple friends I would bring to this mm-hmm. open mic. Because it was at this like kind of cool cafe that it was like a nice hangout. Um, and then I would ha- I would talk to some of the other comics who, at the time, I didn't realize were DC comics mm-hmm. <laughs> just coming to Nova, um, and um, and like the yeah, it was just solid. Um, uh, yeah, my parents were fine with that. Um, it was my senior year, like I was eighteen, I could drive myself, so it wasn't really a huge problem. Um, I think oh, that, that, that is kind of the main thing, because I didn't start driving until halfway through my junior year of high school. And so I did the one open <clears> mic my summer before junior year, but then I like would have to rely on friends driving me out there, and I just don't think I was willing to do that. 
Um, and then, yeah. But so, um, in terms of like being pushed into it, I think, I think it was just something that I found out of necessity. Um, and it was something that I liked and felt good about and felt fulfilled by. And so, yeah. That's okay. Cause I'm trying to, but I definitely relate to like, you know, my parents didn't, my parents were supportive of whatever I wanted to do for the most part. Um, but they didn't push me in any particular direction. They, they, they... Are your parents artistic? Um... Not particularly. Because I had Dash on the show, and he told me, like, his parents were his painters. Da- yeah, yeah, yeah. My parent, my mom's a real estate agent, and my dad, um, my, most of my life has worked, um, as, like, a government contractor. Yeah, so, like, so, you know, the Nova, not having the, that influence was... You had to struggle to find your own kind of... Yeah. And, and I mean, my sister was really into art. My sister... I, earlier I said academically minded. And she was. But she also, like... My sister turned down a full ride to VCU Arts to go to UVA for architecture. Oh, um, which is simultaneously really impressive to me and baffling to me. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think the reasons that she did... I don't think she wanted to... I think, I think she preferred... Charlottesville to Richmond because uh, Charlottesville's quieter. Okay. I, I think, I think, um... <clears throat> There's a lot of power in doing what you want. Yeah, absolutely. So much. So, um, like, so, yeah, so to me, that's, like, um... That's one of the things that I feel, like, really makes an artist is, like, where you were in the beginning and who was there and who was, like, telling you this or that. So, like, mm-hmm. the fact, because, I mean... The typical like makeup of comedian is overbearing mother, male male head male comedian like mm. overbearing mother, absentee father like mm-hmm. that. That's one of the Pete Holmes like things. <laughs> like that's typically what makes comedian is some some something yeah. of that nature. And so like often yeah um, or you know some absentee parent or something. I didn't you know I had I had two something to make very you supportive parents. Yeah, I think I think being trans made me angsty. That's I, I think being yeah. trans and not knowing I was trans made me angsty. Like I look back in in high school, I also. For like, I made I my sophomore year. I think I made a sketch group with some friends of mine, and we made two episodes of a sketch show that were each ten minutes long. And there were these two sketches in it that I look back on now and go, "How the fuck did I not know that I was trans?" Because <laughs> um, one of them is my worst fear. What was my worst fear of if I transitioned, and the other one was um, like deflating that balloon. So one of them was just one joke in this. Like we had a sketch that was, it was just my my best friend at the time, Keaton. He was he was reading a book, and the sketch was just there. Kept being a knock at the door, and it was me doing something else silly. Like one, like I think the first one was being like, "Hey, how's it going?" And he was like, "Oh," and I was like, "Yep." And I was just standing there, just like as if I was trying to strike up conversation, but had nothing in particular to say. And then he would shut the door and then come back. And then there was one time where I just had a full table on his stoop and like was eating dinner <laughs> or something. Um, one That's time funny. I was I was in um, I swam through high school and uh, so I was wearing like the jammer, like the very tight swimsuit. I was just yeah. doing stretches. I was like, "Hey." Yeah. Um, and then one of them, I was just wearing a red bra and a pink mini skirt and was just smearing lipstick like on and around my lips and did my deepest voice of am I pretty which is kind of like which is a super cis sexist trans misogynistic joke that was totally me coping yeah um 
because that image is in so much. Like, think of kids' shows. How frequently is big, hairy, burly dude in a dress with a deep voice played as a joke? Yeah. Like that, that in and of itself is a joke. So and, and that message to little trans kids, particularly little trans girls, or just AMAB trans people, um, assigned male at birth trans people, you're, th- that, that is a way of teaching those kids, myself included, that if you transition, this is what you'll be. And how, and like, no one will want anything to do with you. Yeah. In, like, not just in a romantic sense, but in general. Like, yeah. like you'll be a laughing stock, or like, you, 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 won't, you won't, you won't be a, a serious person. Yeah, yeah, you're a joke. Um, and so I enacted that. Did, you, that. did you come up with that? I came up with that, yeah. Okay. And then another sketch where the entire sketch was centered around this. I was wearing the exact same outfit um, <laughs> pink miniskirt, red bra, nothing else. Um, and then, uh, the bit was that Keaton was upstairs, like, eating something and then heard a noise. He was like, oh, French? Um, and then went downstairs and opened the bathroom door, and I was putting on lipstick in the mirror. Uh, not smearing it this time. I was doing it very well. Um, and then he starts yelling at me, like, where'd you get this? Where the fuck did you get this? Like, Mah. And he, like, he's holding the lipstick, and he's like, <sighs> it's my good one, too. And the bit being that I stole it from him. And, oh, swapping expectations of gender roles. Yeah, yeah. Um... And that one is more of like a deflate. Like, but the point is, I was clearly fixated on this. Yeah, I was fixated on the idea of like quote unquote cross dressing and stuff like that. Um, and I goes like that was definitely me coping with those feelings at an early age. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't remember how I got there or where I was going with it. But I thought that was I, the reason. I feel like I also have to explain the reason I laughed is because the "Am I pretty?" just. <laughs> It's oh. silly. Yeah, it's 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 really silly, and 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 it's also a trope that's so ingrained mm-hmm. in our in our in our world. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Don't worry, I'm not upset with you for laughing at that. Um, and uh, but it's it is something that like you know when you see that in TV shows, like and everyone around you laughs, like even even if you don't know you're trans, you, you you're still. It's still pushing you're, buttons. You're, yeah, you're still you're still absorbing that information and that knowledge, and like so a lot of times, like because like people will ask me like, oh, did you know? And it's like I wasn't walking around as a little kid being like, I'm actually a girl. Like I was like I didn't I didn't fucking know because it was shoved because you're programmed so fucking early mm-hmm. to shove that shit down. Yeah, absolutely. It's wrong to be gay or yeah. be like that, that. That that that's I think that's a one that might I would say I. And it's done in and it's done in super simple ways. Like it's mm-hmm. not it's not that anyone sits you down and says, "Hey, listen, like you no know, son of mine's gonna be a fag." Like that's not. But, I mean, that does happen, but not always. Mm-hmm. It's even just like when you're little, like when you're just. I mean, hell, when I when I was little. Fun fact: I was gendered correctly before I was ever misgendered because my parents got the ultrasound to find out what the gender was, and they said that I was going to be a girl, and they were right. Um, <laughs> but then when I was born, they were like, "Oh, those are testicles." Um, and, <laughs> and then the, some plans changed because um, when I was born, I was the third of three, and at the time we lived in a three-bedroom house, including the, my parents' room. So um, instead of sharing a room with my sister, I shared a room with my brother. So immediately. From the get-go, well, actually, apparently my crib was in my sister's room, but, like, you know, as soon as I was, like, a toddler or, like, Mm -hmm. you know, a a, a person, um, I was, you know, it was the boys' room. Yeah. Like, you know, you're just sent those signals immediately, and and, and also I, I remember being particularly little and getting, like, 
you know, it's around Valentine's Day where everyone gets a Valentine for everyone in their class, and I got these, like, NSYNC Valentines. I didn't even listen to NSYNC. I just thought it was cool. I don't know. But my brother made fun of me because it was, uh, like, a thing. And, like, you yeah. know, like, obviously I'm not, like, shitting on him for that because yeah, he was yeah. in, like, he was in, like, fifth grade. I was in second Pretty grade. Pretty normal for the time. Pretty normal. Yeah, yeah. Pretty normal behavior. Like, you know, yeah. but, but at the same time, like, I know, like, that that's part of that coding of, like, of... It's a system of rewards and punishments, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, I think I think rather than the angsty, getting angsty from absentee parent or anything, I was I was just angsty because I had this thing going on with me that I had no fucking clue what it was, but it but it was affecting me in ways that I didn't even know. I can't even imagine because I mean like especially. When you identified what it was, like, looking back, like, oh, that's why that happened. Like, countless. Literally, when I started transitioning, I started having repressed memories come back. Uh, Like, like I was literally shoving shit out of memory. Okay, so this is a good transition. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) What was, um... I am a serial monogamist. Since, mm-hmm. I, since I had my first girlfriend, mm-hmm. I've pretty much only been in relationships. Mm-hmm. For the past ten years, mm-hmm. seven to eight have been in relationship. Mm-hmm. Before you knew, did how did you approach relationships? I didn't really. I dated... In high school, I dated... I'm going to say four people, three mm-hmm. people. Depends depends on what you count. In fifth grade, I dated someone, um, but I don't count that because it was a it was a fifth grade relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, but it, um, that being said, the per- the person that I dated in fifth grade is a trans man, and uh, I and when I started transitioning, he transitioned before me. But when I started transitioning, I just messaged him. Like we didn't like we didn't know each other. He, we went to the same high school. We didn't really know each other in high school. We were Facebook friends. And I messaged him just being like, "Hey, you know it's hilarious." <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, but the way I approached relationships was, um, I mean, it's funny because I was definitely a very late bloomer in that regard. And then when I started transitioning, I was like, oh, it makes sense that I never actively pursued sex because I wasn't comfortable with my body or, 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 or more specifically, I wasn't comfortable with how my body was being read. Like, you know, if I, if I had grown up, like, you know, I've gotten bottom surgery, but, um, I think that maybe if I had grown up in a way where I was not taught that my body was inherently male. And and I knew that in the front of my brain, but it was still just something that, you know, you can't shake this external pressure sometimes. And so, um, you know, maybe, maybe if I had received more programming that, you know, like I could be femme, um, and my gender wasn't invalidated by it. Like, you know, I, I, you know, maybe I wouldn't have, maybe my, maybe my body, my anatomy wouldn't have been such a source of dysphoria if it hadn't been made so. Um, like, and granted, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that even because I don't want to give the impression to people that like, well, then why does anyone need to get bottom surgery? Why can't we just train people to accept the bodies they were born with? And it's like, because society's fucked. Because people, like, because it's, cause it's fucked, okay? Mm-hmm. It's not fucking hurting anyone. Go fuck yourself. Like, people, like, like but, like, it's just something that, I mean, hell, like, if I... I don't know. Anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole. But um, <laughs> so just the way a, I approach dating. Um, so you you dated a couple people. And it, dated I'm a couple people. It was just like you found someone who you liked and you would. 
relationship? It was a it was mixed bag. Um, I mean, yeah, for the most part. And in, in hindsight, though, with most of them, I realized that I more wanted to be them than was attracted to them. Um, but in, in, in some respects, and at the time, just just um, to help kind of set a point, we're talking kind of like fourteen to eighteen ish. But like, what what was yeah. the age when you identified what that you wanted to transition? Is there is that a thing? I I mean, I, uh, y- yes, yes. Um, I, 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 I referred to it as when I stopped being in denial because, because the thing is from eighth grade through my freshman year of college, I don't think I went longer than a week ever during that time without having a gender crisis where I would just be locked up in my room pacing and trying to use circular logic to convince myself that I wanted to be a guy. I don't think that I went longer than a week without one of those for those like five years, um, six years. But I... So it was, uh, it was in your freshman year that you stopped fighting and you're like, this is what I want. It was is within that, a week after, the week following my freshman year of college. So like, I, in the cinema program, we have summer intensives. And there was a week between the semester ending and summer intensive starting. And during that week that I was up in Sterling, the Thursday of that week, I don't know why I remember it was a Thursday, but it was a Thursday. That was when I accepted that I needed to transition. Um, that must first of all that must have been like <sighs> yeah it was huge um, it was huge um, but and that that's when I accepted I needed to transition but when I look back I, I remember candid conversations I had with myself about being trans I didn't use the word trans but about that part of myself about what was going on with me and they and, but I just somehow managed to make myself forget those conversations until I accepted that I needed a transition. So before that point, relationships for you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to. I might, I might assume too much. You obviously you had it ingrained in you actually dating a woman, and when you were with them, because I have no well, idea. So, yeah, go t- here, please. here. I, let me give you. Uh, I've come out to my parents four different times. It's four different things. Um, after my during my sophomore year of high school, I came out as bisexual. During my senior year of high school, I came out as like a gay dude. During after my freshman year of college, I came out as a straight lady, and then like October twenty fifteen came out as pansexual and polyamorous, um, and. The, I mean, I say I came out. I, I threw in that I was poly at the time because I m- mentioned being because I wasn't dating a dude, and I like I was, I was dating a non-binary person, and we weren't exclusive. So that's what that's what I that, that's how that went. Um, but um, uh, but so I, and I think the progression of that has been a lot to do with my pansexuality, um, which is that you know sophomore year of high school I was like oh, I'm I'm kind of into quote-unquote both, because yeah, at the time my conception of the world was binary. Um, but I'm kind of into both, so I was like, I guess I'm bisexual. But then, like, after a, a couple of years, I realized, like, I was like, I was really uncomfortable dating women. Um, and so I was like, I guess I'm just into dudes. Because, again, I only thought there were two genders. Um, and... But And looking back on that, and then when I started transitioning, I was like, well, gender and sexuality are two different things, so why wouldn't I still just be into dudes? Um, and then I realized that I was pansexual. And, I, and looking back, I realized that, like, oh, I think the reason I was only comfortable dating men before I started transitioning was because I 
wasn't being upfront with myself about my gender, and if I dated women, I was forced to be the boyfriend, and I was so uncomfortable with that. Whereas if I dated men, gender roles were more ambiguous, mm-hmm. and so I could... It was more comfortable for me. And then when I started transitioning, over time, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I feel less... Say, like I'm at a point where I, I I'm currently dating two people and neither of them are cis. Like I, um, and like it's not that I've written off um, cis people. Like cis women have a better chance of me than cis men. Um, but it's um, it's just there's a lot of hoops to jump through for me to feel safe. Yeah, um, absolutely. And um, I feel like your experiences kind of determine have determined that exactly. Exactly, and so it's my and so like the way I def- describe my pansexuality is I um, quote unquote gender is not a factor for me, which is to say that I'm attracted to someone for who they are as opposed to their gender. But then, but the gender factors in in other areas in a more social end of like I'm, you know, like if I'm dating a trans person. They under I have some shared experience with them presumably, or they at least understand. Like there's some shit I don't need to explain to them, or they might they I don't need to explain my feelings about basic stuff because mm-hmm. they they get it yeah. and and it's and it's a safer environment for me. Absolutely. And, and like, um, and, and and yeah, and so it's just a mix of things. And so like I feel like the time all the fluidity I've had with who I'm attracted to, I feel like has been less about the bodies I'm attracted to and more about who I feel safe with. Ooh, that's interesting. Um, Do you think that uh, it works better for you if you are friends with someone for a while before you date? Or is it like a... You know, I've done... Right now, my longest standing partner is someone that I was friends with for a while before we started dating. Um, and that was that worked really well for a long time. I was just using... Well, so I, I like barely dated in high school. I dated like a couple people that last like a little bit each time. Very little sexual experience. Um, I then started dating someone right after high school where he was, that was a whole fucking thing. Um, and then I started transitioning and I didn't date anyone for like a year and a half. Um, because I felt like, you know, I'm still figuring out how I feel about me. I don't want my, I don't want my transition to be influenced. Ooh, by yeah. trying to be something that's attractive to someone else, to a, to a particular person. So it wasn't until I was like six months on hormones that I felt like I was comfortable with my body in relation to someone else's body, and I felt like someone else might gender my body correctly. And, um, and so I... And then in dating, and that's when I decided that I wanted to be polyamorous. Initially, the decision to be polyamorous was that I wanted to... I didn't want to be overly committed. Mm-hmm. Um, that has since changed. I'm committed. I'm just not exclusive. Um, but it was, it was initially me being like, I don't want to be anyone's person. I want, I want that fluidity in there. I want, um, I don't want anyone to depend too much on me because I got to focus on myself to, to a certain degree. That is to me something that I can I can specifically relate to so much mm-hmm. because like. Because you mentioned having lost yourself in a relationship, oh, which, 100%. which granted, I don't know the details of that, but that statement alone sounds like becoming overly responsible for the emotional well-being of someone who isn't you. Actually, 
I or the opposite. Some, the you made someone else responsible for your emotional exactly. well-being. And it was... It Hooray, was, codependency. Exactly. I so feel like, you. Um, and so, like... Because I, I, don't get me wrong. That was my intention with being polyamorous. It still happened. <laughs> it's really hard being a human person. It's really hard being a human person. It's hard, being, it's hard existing. In, Can that in, be the title of this episode? <laughs> it's really hard being a human person. That should be the title. That <laughs> should be the title. That should be the title of everything. It's yeah. just like... And so, like, that will... The past three people who I've been um, in a relationship with, I'm still friends with. Yeah. Because, like, I, I realize as it goes on, this is, like, for whatever reason it ended, like, hey, we tried our best. Yeah. And, like, I like to think that I'm, uh, I take responsibility for my mistakes, mm-hmm. and I also don't let them off the hook for theirs, because mm-hmm. we're all trying to grow as people. Mm-hmm. And, like, um, to kind of give you a timeline, just a frame reference, like, I dated this, this woman for two and a half years, um... At the end of my college experience, I graduated last year, so mm-hmm. like two and a half years of last year, and so like we had a good, we had a, an amazing friendship. We're still friends, and then I dated, and so like with her, we were both just little babies, yeah, like twenty somethings, and we moved in together very early, and just like we were just a really good support system for each other. Yeah, like you became a unit, and that and lost some autonomy to a degree, but also like she she was she came in very being a very independent person, so like. She would go do her own thing and it wouldn't yeah. be a big deal. And I would do my thing and it wouldn't be a big deal. But, like, it was, like, this really healthy balance, I feel like. Yeah. And then when I got out of that relationship, I was living in New Orleans at the time. Mm-hmm. And I moved to Virginia to be closer to my family post-graduation because we had split up and she moved. And I was like, I, I realized... You I didn't have, have anything holding you there Nothing. Anymore. There was nothing there for me. Even, not even anything holding me. Just, like, I had been so entrenched in college and, like, I had struggled... I struggled, like, making a community or ma- making friends. So I was like, I was like... Not only is there anything holding me here, like, I have nothing here. Yeah. And so, like, it was really depressing, so I moved. So I settled in Richmond, and, like, I spent a couple months, like, just at this crappy job. Mm-hmm. And, like, mostly alone. Mm-hmm. And then I met this woman who was incredible. And, like, the first two months we dated, it was normal. It was magic. And then she started a semester, and it was, like, hell. It was like, the worst semester ever. Like, the worst classes. Mm-hmm. And then... I think I was just going through a lot of anxiety and, like, not having... Because when you're in college, like, you have a path. Mm-hmm. So, like, being out of college and working this, like, dead-end job, like, oh, I don't have a path, I don't have a life, like, what am I doing? And there's just, like, all this panic and anxiety. And so, mm-hmm. like, I depended on her to, like, help me, like, make me feel like I'm good or whatever. And it was just, like, it was a very unhealthy balance. Mm-hmm. So we, we split up. And I did somebody else, and they were just mean to me. And so, like, all it was right. just, like, ugh. So, like... The, the beautiful thing is I'm now exploring my individuality. Fuck yeah. And so, like, that to me, like, everything mm. you just said, like, I can relate to, like, wanting to preserve that about myself. And, like... Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, like, one of the big things as to why I... That, that's one of the reasons why I um, am drawn to polyamory now mm-hmm. is that it is something that, like, you know... Like, one of like the... Um, so right now I'm dating two people. The more recent one I've been dating for, I've been dating her for three months, and she. What's funny is that the day that she asked me out, I earlier was like, you know, I'm just not gonna date anyone new for a while. I'm just gonna keep dating, dating Finn, <laughs> um, and I'm gonna, and then, and yeah, because because Finn's got good boundaries with me, and I'm just gonna focus on myself for a while, um, and then Rose asked me out, and I. Um, uh, was like, okay, I'm making an exception. 
because this person's super cute. <laughs> Funny how that works. And but but also we so we went on our first date and we were talking about poly stuff and she mentioned um, uh, how she has two long-standing partners that she's been with each of them for like five years and I was like that's perfect for me because. Um, because you've got two long-standing partners that you've been with for five years, which means that even even if like an unhealthy part of my like I've been working on myself a lot lately, but even if a part of my brain did slip and I like tried to make like tried to be too like involved, like you've got two other whole partners, like you can't give me more time than is healthy. Mm-hmm. It's it you you wouldn't be capable of it yeah. because you've got two other partners. That's great. That's an amazing safety net for someone who's trying to work on that part of themselves. Yeah, that's um, right. it's a safe place to be. Yeah, exactly. And like, um, and it's yeah, that's been going really well. And 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 also like I in in that relationship, I've noticed myself like there's just been certain milestones for myself personally, like not even milestones in the relationship, just milestones where something has happened or has come up and I've been like, oh, fuck yeah, I broke a pattern. In past relationships, I would have made this like a problem and it's not a problem this time because I'm I'm better now. I'm a better person than I used to be. I used to be shitty. I mean, not that I'm not still shitty in other ways, but, (laughs) but, but the point is, like, I... I used to make, like, I like there. There used to be times where someone would do something and it would make me feel bad, and I would make that their problem for some reason instead of going, okay, well that how that's my feeling, so that's my responsibility. It's not necessarily a problem to communicate that to people, but also keep in mind, like, it's not their responsibility. It's not their responsibility, and and just because you tell them that it's not their responsibility, sometimes telling them about it, they're still gonna take it on. So maybe they don't always need to know about it. Exactly. If it if it's not gonna change your behavior in the dynamic, and you can deal with it on your own, then maybe it's healthiest for you to just deal with it on your own. That's so hard to realize. It's so fucking hard to do. Um, but but I've been feeling really good about. Um, I've been feeling a lot of growth in that area, and I feel good about it because I've been feeling, I don't know, a lot of that has also been the process of removing myself from my phone. Um, like, I've, I've had a phone since the seventh grade. Yeah. And before that, I had a fucking Game Boy. Like, I ha- I've always had, like, a handheld okay. screen. To- I've never had to just be alone with my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I started dating people, like, that fact really became clear based on how clingy I was. Whereas instead of a phone, you have a person and you're like, yeah. you get to or, hear everything or, I think. Or you have a or you have a phone and they have a phone and you, and and there's no excuse for someone not to be present 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And like and that's so shitty. That's so shitty and like and so now I just feel good where it's like, yeah, you know, like you are finding that process. Yeah, exactly. And I and I'm and I'm 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 reprogramming my brain and like finding the new like way to go into that in terms of just like trying to you know like you know only texting people if i have something to say, something to say to them i'm like hey what's up what are you doing yeah yeah, yeah. Or, or or like yeah like if i send a text that has virtually no information in it, it's probably just me being like hey i was thinking of you and i just wanted to say i was thinking really of you nice. and that's nice. that's like a nice a thing out thing. in the ether yeah. and they don't need to respond then i'm gonna go back to doing whatever i was doing and like and like you know like just trying to be yeah, just like folks, like it's been really good for my mental, like, and 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 having that practice, not even just in relationships, but in life in general. Like, I've been mm-hmm. trying to remove myself from social media, like, not enti- I can't entirely. I have shows. I have to promote shit. Exactly. Um, but when yeah. you are doing nothing, you just like instead of I saying, deleted, like, scroll. I deleted the app from my phone. 
I deleted the Facebook app from my phone. I have the Messenger app on my phone because I want people to get a hold of me. But mm-hmm. I don't have the Facebook app, so I can't scroll. Um, and and if I really need to do something, I can log on in Safari. But, you know, whatever. That, but that's a pain, and but you that, won't scroll because of that. Exactly. Because yeah. um, what I realized is that when I was just doing nothing, I would mindlessly pick up my phone and start scrolling. So first mm-hmm. I deleted... I deleted Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and then and then I deleted Snapchat because I started scrolling through the Snapchat articles. Yeah. And then I deleted the dating apps because I started scrolling through them as if they were uh, social media. Yeah. And now all of my apps are on one page, and I and I try not to be absorbed in my phone too much. There were times where I would like, I would be, and this is embarrassing. I'd be driving, and my my arm would just open, swipe, and open up like Reddit or something, mm-hmm. and I was just like. What am I doing? I need to be here. Yeah. And that translates so much into exactly what you're saying. So it's like fighting that process. Like, I used to be... just reprogramming that part of your brain. Yeah, like with all my downtime, my mind is usually like, I have to be doing something. And it's like, what if I just didn't? What if I... What, or what if I was more what, social? What if for what if for yeah exactly? What if I went out and did something? Yeah, that, that's another thing. So I just realized that so like Facebook's really bad for my mental health. Mm-hmm. Being on Facebook and having that experience of like look at all these people with all their friends always out doing things. I never go out and do anything because I have social anxiety and I'm an introvert. But uh, but I still want people to love me. Um, <laughs> like that feeling sucks. Mm-hmm. But what I started doing more is when I am out with people, I try to take more pictures, but I don't post them online. I. I get them printed through Snapfish, and I tack them to the actual wall of my bedroom. And that's, like, a nice, like, right, I do have friends. I do go out and do things with friends. Okay, cool. And, like, it's really helpful and really good for my mental health. And, like, it's also just nice. It's not even just as, like, a self-soothing thing. uh, It's also been just, like, hey, look at that person I love. Mm -hmm. That person I love is on the wall. Yeah. Oh, I love that person. Remember that time we did that Mm. thing? Yeah. Ooh, that feels good. Good good, uh, chemical hit in my brain. Um... And then you might text that person. They might go have dinner with that person. Yeah, exactly. And like you know, try 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 to be more social, or even just like, again, just learn to be alone with my fucking thoughts. And then oh, here's an intrusive, upset thought. But you know, maybe I mean, or not even necessarily always an intrusive thought. Just here's a thought that you didn't want to deal with for a while. And you know what? Maybe okay, just cry for a little bit. Cause you gotta actually, mm-hmm. you're, mm-hmm. that feeling's not gonna go away till you feel it. So just cry. Oh, just, just just cry for a little bit. Okay, cool. Okay, now watch Frasier. Like, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't. I can't speak to feeling your emotions enough. Like, if you have an emotion, it's because you need to feel that emotion. If yep. you're sad, feel sad. Just be yep. sad for a little bit. It feels so good after. Because then, like, like yep. I have this thing with my friend. Like, if I have a thought, I'll just, I'll just be like, hey, here's one of those thoughts that I need to say so that I don't think about it anymore. Boom, yep. it's done. I can move on. I can feel that feeling. Yeah. But also, you kind of touched on like just handling problems yourself, like. Sure. Not rely. Yeah, just not, not making relying. other people responsible for your shit. Like it's okay to get support. Support. Go, go out to dinner, talk about your problem. But like, yeah, I'm handling it this way. Yeah, exactly. And then and, and also hear about that other person's problem. But mm-hmm. like, but it's it's when it's when I felt like I was making it other people's responsibility that it, that alone just was so bad for my mental health and like self esteem. Like, because you feel like a fucking burden and like. And, 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 like, I'm not saying, like, everyone needs to handle everything on their own, and if you can't oh, pick yeah, yourself yeah, up yeah, by yeah. your bootstraps, that's not what I mean. Mm-hmm. I just mean that, like... Not everything that is wrong with you is someone who's in your life's responsibility. Exactly. And, and it's one thing to, you know, talk about it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Grant, talk about it. But then also, like... And then you also get surprised when someone's like, let me let me support you. Let me be there for you. Let me help you Exactly. With this. Like, like, or, like, let's go do the thing. And, and that's really great. Yeah. But, like, but also, there's also this, like... I feel like a lot of people view self-care as, like, 
what a lot of people refer to as like Tumblr self care, mm-hmm. which like I I'm not trying to rag. I mean, the, Tumblr, Tumblr is a, a mixed yeah. fucking bag. There's a lot of bullshit on there, and there's a lot oh of God. cool stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. But but there's this Tumblr version of self care that a lot of people have referred to it, which is like, oh, you're feeling bad. Okay, well, skip everything you had to do today. Curl, stay in your pajamas, curl up in a blanket, and watch your favorite Disney movie. And it's like, maybe self-care looks a little more like, hey, how about let's shower, because it's been three days. <laughs> um, and then do the dishes real quick. Just, just, just make your environment feel better. And you know what? If that's all you get done today, good job. Yeah. You did, you you functioned at, you functioned. Yeah. Um, like, but, but, but doing something as opposed to and like and just figuring out like what are those soothing things that I can do that will make myself feel better maybe not great and but also better one thing that I feel like people struggle with is keeping your expectations your the standard you hold yourself to just a little bit lower just take the pressure off like yeah. like um you know the dishes and showering that's a good day like like you yes. did. You went grocery shopping. What you the left house? the house. You were wearing a hoodie and pajama pants, but you left the fucking house. And if you're in a bad, especially if you're in a bad place, like doing things at all is hard to do. Like yeah. when I'm in a bad place, I'll usually be upset and then I'll rearrange my room. Mm-hmm. Like that's usually yeah, what yeah, I do. change of scenery. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. You you talk about that like clean, cleaning your house or like making things nicer, like make your environment feel better. Yeah, I bought a rug recently. I felt like such a fucking adult. I bought a rug. Was it new? Uh, no, it was, it was from Diversity Thrift. Um, Still, you bought a rug. I bought a rug, and my room looks nicer. I need to buy a rug. And, yeah. Rugs are fucking expensive. Yeah. I can't, I'm startled. There was only one at Diversity Thrift when I went. I was startled there were any. Wow. Like, yeah. I feel like rugs are not something that you thrift store. Rugs, if you, if you have to get rid of a rug, you're either trashing it or getting some fucking money for it. Yeah. My, uh, my roommate's cat destroyed my old ones, so, like... I won't get a new one until he's trained better, but... That's fair. <laughs> well, I always have trouble ending because I feel like we could keep talking. That's Is fair. there anything that you wanted to get to that we didn't? Um, I know people been, come here with no expectations. It's been a good talk. I'm yeah. good. Yeah, I... Yeah, feeling good. I like to end the show with asking my guest... I've tried to rephrase the question each time because I feel like it gets better and better. Mm-hmm. What's the... Most notable thing in my room. In your room. Because I have a pretty interesting room. Um, Sunburst guitar with F-holes. That is notable to me. That is uh, that's a current fixer-upper. That is... Um, but it's real, it's real bright. Yeah, I'm not... And, big, I, and I like the humbuckers. Oh, I love the humbuckers. It, it, um, it doesn't connect to the amp right now, so I haven't got to like, actually hear it. Gotcha, gotcha. There's a Craigslist... Hundred bucks. Oh, nice. Yeah. Are you are you someone who like can like work on a guitar? No, I want. But you're learning, and you spent a hundred dollars to learn how exactly. to. Exactly. That's dope. The only thing I worry cool. about is like getting in there and like not not knowing what to do. But it, I have the goal of doing it, and it, like I love, I just I love it so much. Yeah, it looks real. It's real fucking cute. And um. You should get like a really nice knob for that missing knob. Yeah, that was not not even a nice one, just like a standout one. This one is like a like a like a yeah, like a jelly knob. (laughs) I have a a friend who, like, is in a fucking. Wait, I'm impressed. (laughs) Sorry, just change the light with your phone. I'm impressed. Um, (laughs) I can pick any color I want to. Oh, dope. Um, But uh, so I have a friend who 
I love him to pieces. He's wonderful. He's in a fu- he's in two touring bands, and somehow I ended up being the one explaining to him that his guitar is like a toy guitar. <laughs> oh goodness, it was like a first actor. Like it, it was a squire. Oh okay. It was a squire guitar, not like a bass, but a guitar. Yeah. Um, and and he's like, yeah, I I like it because it's. Cause it's compact and I and small and I was like that's because it's for a kid. It's for a child. Yeah. Um, a but it's also awesome. Like like it, it also fits his personality Dude. so perfectly. He's like the most positive human being. He's such a fucking he he's great. He's fucking awesome. Um, but I'm also hesitant to name him right now because I feel like I said something that could be construed as trash talk, <laughs> and I don't want to. Um, I, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but when I've talked about people, I, for the most part, haven't used names. You, I, I think towards the end, you got a little bit uh, too in the conversation and we're dropping names. I did start dropping. I said both my partner's names. I'm going to have to ask um, ask Rose if she wants her name in there because I don't know. Um, Let me know soon because we're doing yeah, Yes, yes, yes. I'll, I, I, I'll, I can text her immediately after. Um, but yeah. Yeah, say it's on birth control. Are we, pro- are we past the cutting point? Uh, for what? For the for the recording. Um, no, we're or, still or, or are we still in the episode? Well, I, until until we want it to be in. I again, uh, I, don't, I, I do no editing. I oh, cut okay. off at the beginning and the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha, so gotcha, it's gotcha, like gotcha. super just just a chill conversation, and That's I feel well. like people really yeah have to deal with it. Yeah, true. I might just ask you to put a beep in for the names. Edit for 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 just the for just those names. I'll I'll I'll, I'll see. Oh yeah, we can totally do that. Yeah. Great. Well, thank um, you for being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. you for